welcome to this week's episode of the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week we're covering the Avengers and the Fate of the Furious, focusing on tentpole films, franchises, and the evolution of action heroes. As always, in order to have the best discussion possible, we recommend that you watch the two films we'll be discussing before listening to the episode because of spoilers. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. All right. How's it going tonight? Any updates, projects, last time we recorded? It's only been a couple of days. Oh, they're staring <laughs> at each other. Who should go first? Who goes first? Go, Jake. <laughs> um, I really don't have any updates. Uh, we because we you know we just recorded this week, so we're doing a, a two for this week. Um, but you know, I'm just I'm working on a couple things with a couple people. Uh, there's a World War II vet here in Phoenix who has a really interesting story. So we're kind of looking into the hat to see if he's, you know, if, if it is a really good story. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I know the family vaguely uh, through another person. So we're just we're going out this weekend on Sunday to go sh- like do interview style, like talking heads type thing to see if he's, um, you know, just to record him and record his thoughts and he's like 92 but he still has like a lot of energy for a 92 year old so you know you're just kind of going and seeing what's going on you know what i mean and then i'm i'm my role is just kind of producing i might do some editing with it but uh you know i'm just trying to get a bunch of guys together to see if it's uh worth the story it's good that you're producing though because i feel like at this level that's generally where a lot of productions lack is like pro- someone who's like a dedicated producer yeah you know, who might not That's kind of, yeah i mean they, you might not necessarily be making the creative decisions but you kind of need someone to be the backbone you know yeah it's it's uh it's not it's also sort of creative producing i don't know it just kind of depends on like the the guy who's directing hasn't directed a lot of stuff um and he asked me to produce for him so i think he's kind of looking for someone who can also kind of weigh in with the creative decisions and um but also like get you know from a to z like logistics uh so and you know i can i can do both those things so you know but ultimately it's like i'm gonna be serving him and like what he wants um but also you know throwing in some ideas <laughs> you know if he has a really weird idea that he's attached to you know what i mean like totally try and get him off of that you know so i mean but, you know he's a cool he's a cool dude i mean at, super like cool at guy. this level you know you're never doing just one thing you know even if you're a director you're still going to be doing a whole bunch of other things you wouldn't normally do on like a bigger production so just to, i yeah. mean even if you're saying you're producing yeah it's, it's understandable that you're going to be making some creative decisions i'm sure yeah, but, well, it's funny you say that because cause also, like, you know, Kubrick would go, like, light people's sets when he was a director. Like, he'd go sneak on set and help out his buddies and, like, you know, do the lighting for <laughs> for on other people's projects. You know what I mean? That's so, awesome. like, I think everyone's just kind of always trying to help each other out and try and, you know, make the best thing possible, you know? Because when, you know, when even when you're at the Hollywood level, I imagine people just who are at that level just want good movies and sometimes it's just like 
you know, you, you go help out your buddies, you know, and, and try and, or, you know, a good filmmaker that you, you really like just to, you know, make a better quality uh, movie. Because it kind of, it's one of those things where it helps everybody, you know? Yeah, like, totally. a good movie is, will encourage people to go to the movie theaters again, you know? It's funny, like, um, one of my favorite stories of, like, uh, of a situation like that was Spielberg visiting Brian De Palma's set for Scarface. Oh, and, like, really? I guess, you know, Brian De Palma was doing his thing, and it was for that, you know, the, the epic um, finale, you know, in that, in you know, uh, Pacino's, like, big uh, mansion with all the, the drug dealers or drug uh, cartel guys coming in, and he comes out with the M16 and, you know, starts blasting him away. And The I guess, whole, like, uh, say hello to my little yeah, friend, yeah, that yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. scene. Yeah, so Spielberg was on set, and, like, I guess, you know, De Palma was kind of... I mean, he was at that time, you know, a veteran filmmaker, totally. but I think he was still like a little like, oh man, Spielberg's on set, even though I think De Palma, I think might have been a little bit older, but he was still like, I don't think he had really shot a lot of like action like that before. And Well, and then Spielberg, because Scarface was 90s? I think it's 80, late 80s. 80s. I think it's early 80s. Early yeah, 80s. Like well, even bef- like even that. by that time, Spielberg had had like a oh, couple yeah, of hits. Jaws so, and, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. So I imagine him being on set was kind of like, wow, here's this big name. This, I, I wouldn't say up and comer at that point, but like, yeah, like still kind of even like. Already like a household name. Yeah, yeah. totally. Household name. So it's, on it's, set. Yeah, exactly. This is kind of funny. I guess like Spielberg like didn't even say like. Oh, you should put the camera here or anything, but like Obama, from what I've read, was kind of like, you know, is this, is this, what do you think of this? What do you think of this shot? What do you think of this frame? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he wants his opinion. Yeah, that's funny. Which is kind of cool. So, I mean, I think maybe not all like filmmakers would be down on that level to ask someone um, of similar caliber they're you know what i mean like i think a lot wouldn't mm-hmm. yeah yeah like the, their egos i think would be too great which is kind of unfortunate because i think yeah like some of the best films are the first films and i think it's because everyone was so collaborative just to make the freaking movie that it becomes greater and then when they get too caught up in like in like ego or whatever i mean trying to think of a good example of a director. I, mean, they, that, I think Spielberg's a good example because I think his newer <laughs> not not saying he's bad, but his newer stuff is just not as classic as his older stuff. Right, it's know? it's it's all it's not it's not so much the same, but it kind of is. Like, I mean, can you imagine like saying Bridge of Spies is better than Jaws or or something or right. you know what I mean? Like it it just doesn't no. And I don't think Bridge of Spies it was good though, but right. it's and maybe maybe it's one of those things where like it hasn't been enough time, but my gut says that Bridge of Spies is not sticking around in the way, in the same way that like Jaws has kind of stuck around. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, totally. Like I think. Yeah. I mean, the films that are going to hold up for Spielberg, whether I mean just on pure like film with like story and everything, would be like you know of course Jaws, E.T., e. Saving Private Ryan, you know. And then some of his films, Ra- like... Raiders. Yeah, Raiders, yeah. like Raiders, yep. There's yep. there's a few of them that are going to, like, no matter how old, you know, 200 years from now, there's still going to be films that people are going to still look at and be like, these are milestones or they're, they're classic Spielberg, right? But then there's other films that, for me, 
are even better than some of those that aren't going to be remembered like Munich I think Munich is one of Spielberg's best movies and no one talks about that movie Mm -hmm. you know it's like what the hell but then there's films like (laughs) you know uh, (laughs) uh, War Horse and like no one's going to be talking about War Horse you know 10 years from now you know like I don't know yeah it's interesting no you're right and no one's talking about the uh, what was the like comic book Oh, Tintin. See, I can't even... Tintin, I actually yeah. really like... Well, see, I grew up with Tintin. I really like that movie, but... Yeah, no... Because the, the, the plan was they were going to make three of them. Spielberg was going to direct the first one. Peter Jackson was going to direct the second one. And then they were going to both direct the third one. But... You know, we haven't heard... That's... We haven't heard... <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, we haven't heard anything from, you know... From, you know, from uh, Peter Jackson's camp about yeah. the second one, so I don't know. That's because that's he hasn't <laughs> left New Zealand in 20 years. <laughs> he's just... He's stuck there. He can't give... He's still walking the Hobbit trail. He's trying to do it. He's probably... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just to name a few, I think, of his classics, Jaws... Jaws was actually one of his... Probably his earliest... Actually, it is his earliest classic. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders, E.T., um, the other Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, Empire of the Sun, uh, the, it's so the Last Crusade, Hook, I would say, is even probably one of his classics. Um, Schindler's a lot, List. A lot of people like Hook. Yeah. I, I'm one of those people. Totally. You know what I mean? It's totally Like, ver- I know it's not, it's not like, had, doesn't have like the same critical acclaim that other movies have, but for like a live, I think it's my favorite live action, like Peter Pan story that exists out there i don't i haven't seen all of them but is it because julia roberts is in it i you know (laughs) i haven't seen it in a long time so maybe i'm just like maybe it's just like i watched this movie as a kid and i really liked it and uh now it's just like stuck in my brain as as a good movie (laughs) that i'll never watch again you know yes so i don't know i could be biased you know it's funny because uh i've only seen that movie once and as a kid yeah and like and when i looked when I look back on it now, I'm like, holy crap. Like, I didn't even realize, you know, Dustin Hoffman and, and stuff, you know, are, are in that movie, you know? <laughs> like, it's kind right. of funny. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. I, I knew, when I watched it, I knew Robin Williams. You know right, what I mean? Like I, right, right. You know, because I had seen all of his stuff. Uh, or not all, but like a good chunk of it. It's the guy um, from Flubber. <laughs> yeah, Flubber. <laughs> yeah, Flubber's the best. <laughs> But yeah, so we have Jurassic Park, obviously, Schindler's List. Yeah, Jurassic Park, that's um, it, yeah. The Lost World, Saving Private Ryan's, obviously a classic. AI, I think, is a classic as well. And then you kind of start getting into, like, the stuff that's kind of arguable. Like, Minority Report might be kind of an underrated Oh, my God, that movie's, like, the best movie ever. (laughs) Minority Report, like, that's, like, the best. I forgot he did that. You know know why? It doesn't feel like Spielberg did that movie. No, not at all. It doesn't feel, and, like, this is is why our our tour theory we were talking about last time. Even though he directed this movie, it doesn't feel like he was, like, the filmmaker of it. Like, it it felt more like a studio movie to me than, than a like an auteur movie totally. or whatever. And I think Spielberg overall doesn't feel like an auteur director. You know what I mean? Like his movies are so studio, like you said, and so like almost producer made as opposed to director made that like 
I don't know. Like, you know they're a Spielberg film because they're classic films, but if someone who didn't know what a Spielberg movie was and watched it, would you know? Or would you be able yeah. to pull in certain, like, themes and patterns and stuff? I, but I, I think that's just because of the whole mass appeal of it. Because I, I feel like a lot of people look at movies that are like, oh, that's clearly mass appeal, which is kind of what we're talking about today, you know, with our with the tentpole movies. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, you know, you you can see trends in his in his work, and he appeals to a whole lot of people because he, you know, it's always about families. Like every everything is about family in his movie, in his movies. Even like his early work, like Jaws, and you know, his more um, escapist movies, in the end, are kind of about family relationships. And you kind of see it time and time again. I haven't seen all of his movies, but. They all. It would take you weeks to watch all of his movies. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny because like Spielberg as like an auteur to me is interesting because the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Spielberg is like the cinematography. So I think like Kaminsky, the, the oh, guy that God, is dude. like his, so his main cinematographer for the last like you know twenty years or so. He, he's uh, two out of ten. That's what I write him. Like I think like <laughs> two out of ten. You are totally joking. You are I just wanted podcast, to see uh, Keith's reaction when I said two out of ten. But when you look at like the, you know stylistically, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week or earlier about you know uh, stylist versus a tour is Kaminsky with Saving Private Ryan. It has been, it's been he has been copied so much when it comes to war films you know the, the whole the sepia and the desaturation and all that that was all Kaminsky that was the first film that really brought that type of unique cinema you know they did so much for the cinematography yeah. for that movie like they even tweaked cameras and the, and, and the actual like pieces and parts that make up a camera they literally like they messed with the shutter so that it was kind of like off kilter so that it would get this weird kind of like flary look and it, you know that's why when you watch that scene the the flames and the hot sources are kind of like they have like uh trails and right, stuff like that yeah. and things are kind mm. of out of focus and it's like hard to get it in focus like it was just like really super hyper realistic realism documentary that they were trying to get with it and that's why that scene is like, I mean, besides it being like a 30 minute long opening <laughs> to a movie, it's, yeah. you know, it's cinema, like in terms of cinematography, it's, it's set a whole new standard. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It do. just, and you see the same kind of choices or the same attention to, to lighting and stuff with like minor, minority report and uh, Munich. Um, he also did Jurassic Park too. Right. Right. And even that movie nowadays still looks like the, the, CGI and the effects and stuff like that all look, I mean, better than most movies yeah, nowadays. Yeah, it's you know? crazy. And then like Schindler's List, how it's black and white, you know, and, and the way they actually morphed some, you know, real real footage um, into the stuff that they shot, and you cannot tell the difference. Like, it's the best film that I can think of that that has that just super authentic black and white look. And so when I think of Spielberg, I actually honestly think more of Kaminsky, which is kind of funny, besides what you were saying, Jacob, earlier about the family stuff, because mm-hmm. that is definitely his most universal, like, um, theme, um, or not even so much theme, just what his films represent. His gen- plots are general, also very, like, his plots are very straightforward plots, 
act one, act two, act three, wrap it up with a pretty bow. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like it's accessible. It's never not accessible. It's never experimental. It's never out of anyone's norm. Mm-hmm. It just is a movie that you know you can watch. And it like yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where like when you say I'm gonna go watch a movie, like you think of. A Spielberg movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey, let's go to the movie with the family. You know what I mean? Yeah. You think of a movie that is like a Spielberg movie. Like, you don't think of Tree of Life or, you know, and, you, you know, you, you don't think about any movie besides, like, the, oh, you, you know, Spielberg. Oh, what was the J.J. Abrams movie that was, like, a throwback to Spielberg? Oh, uh, Super 8, 8, yeah. Yeah, like, that, that to me is, like, when you go, hey, let's go watch a movie. Super 8 is is that movie you go see with your whole family. You know, it's like a perfect movie for that. I'd like to correct my statement real quick, actually. Jurassic Park was shot by Dean Cundey. Oh, okay. Kaminsky came in. He shot Schindler's List, and then he came in um, on The Lost World. So, fact correction there. The Yeah, the the better of the two Jurassic Parks that... Oh, no, Spielberg did three Jurassic Parks, right? Did he do Yeah, I think he did too? three, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, yeah, it's interesting, the, the whole... Stylist versus uh, just kidding. Another fact correction: He did not do Jurassic Park three. Oh, well, he produced it. And he, yeah. it's funny. I'll probably get some. You know, so yeah, the, do it. The fourth, go there, dude. The fourth Raiders of the Lost Ark. What's that one called? The uh, the fourth in Crystal fourth Skull. Crystal, Jones, okay, yeah. I think so, so yeah. I think most people like universally like hate that movie, which is stupid. Which actually, you know, I of course I didn't really care for like the alien twist thing at the end however as like complete nostalgia and like escapism like i actually enjoyed it and i did love the cinematography i love the look of it i like Kate Blanchett. she was like a villain so that's always cool like, dude you love Kate Blanchett, I man do. i feel like we talked I, about Kate Blanchett I, on each i do episode yeah no I, I think she's like i don't think she's overrated or underrated but i think People, I think, do seem to kind of forget about her as a name. Like, I think she's one of those sure. actresses that's, you know, I think she's, I think she's won, at least, I know she's won one Academy Award. She might have won two. Um, I think, yeah, I think she's, she's been nominated a, a ton. Yeah, but she's not yeah. like. I mean, to me, I think she's like just as talented as like Streep, but she isn't like a household name like Streep. You know? Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's like. I think it's one of the she's she's in movies where people put on a movie like oh I've seen her before she's in that one movie she was really good in it but they don't really necessarily like follow her films you know <laughs> right yeah it's not like a religious thing with like you know like people watch Brad Pitt movies and George or George Clooney you right, know what I mean right. like people like love George Clooney or Sandra Bullock yeah you know what I mean like people just love that but Kate Blanchett not really yeah you know and, she doesn't have that following and I think it's because she's so diverse she does like everything you know and like her performance is bugged Dylan, oh man, <laughs> crazy! <laughs> what what was that in? In um, uh, Todd Haynes's uh, I'm not there. I think is the name of it. Oh, yeah, weird. and like Christian Bale, um, uh, Richard Gere, Kate Blanchett, Ben Wishaw, they all play versions of uh, oh, I've Bob heard Dylan. of this movie. Yeah, yeah. oh That's weird. It's, it's, yeah, I gotta watch that. It's interesting. Uh, my favorite parts are the Kate Blanchett bits because like as a kid growing up i was obsessed with bob dylan i would watch like all of his interviews and stuff and she has every like mannerism of his down it's just incredible performance wise it's it's nuts yeah (laughs) dude that's cool yeah you know you bring you brought up an interest or an interesting point of like keep chat doesn't have 
a like a following type of thing you know what i mean and i'm curious like and it's because she always plays different kind of roles and it's hard to like it's hard to like find her as being someone who's who's like a uh someone who could just fit into any role so it's like really cool you know like meryl streep you know what i mean um but then you you have her where she's like kind of a mix like she kind of brings her own thing to it but it's not like so similar you know like the when the rock does a role right. it's like very it's like the rock is is, is like his own character yeah, you know yeah. what i mean um and it makes me curious like directors who direct movies that are like more like the rock in that they are kind of the same over and over again I wonder if we call them auteurs because we can like grab onto like the thing that is making these movies the same, but other people like, like, um, you know, I can't come up with any, any names. Cause you know, the thing, you know what the thing is, is auteurs are just all the good directors. People just call them auteurs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. all the, all the ones that like have made a name for themselves. And that's really the only difference. <laughs> to me, that's to actually me. <laughs> one of the questions I had for last week and that right. we never got around to was if you're a master filmmaker, are you all, are you automatically considered an auteur? I, I would, I would say yes. And, and that's just because the word auteur means is, is so has been used so many times and it used to mean something, but I don't think it means anything anymore. I, I just think it's like a prestige label for really good filmmakers who right. have made a name for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would say that. And I think we kind of landed on last time kind of talking about how, like, it, it's probably a bad label or, like, a, a it, we need a different term for it, I think, to better describe what's really going on. Um, I don't know. I think that's where we landed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> we could talk about this forever. This is why <laughs> should we do this uh, part two? Part two. This is why we're gonna do the our tour series. You know, <laughs> talking about specific directors. So we'll still we'll always have a chance to kind of bring up whether or not someone is an tour. Like we're calling it the tour series, and that might even not be the right name for it. Um, Seems like like filmmaker like master master series you know what i mean like master class maybe master series is good but not, you know because I mean, they are these are the best of the best you know but at the same time that doesn't necessarily cover either because like for example on our list is harmony corinne now we <laughs> might think that like he's a master in what he does but right. it's pretty i would say it's arguable you know, a lot of people don't. I think his what he makes is schlock. So, right. You know, it's when you, if you were to put him next to like Spielberg or Coppola, <laughs> he's better. He's better. Okay. Which, which okay. would be hilarious. But let's. I mean, like if if you if you showed two movies from well, like one from Spielberg and one from uh, Harmony Quinn and just like showed it to a random audience <laughs> and just like figure out which like have the audience say which do you prefer you know what if I mean if you put trash numbers up against like any Spielberg epic like <laughs> against Raiders for example of course yeah. they're gonna go with that right so pick of course I mean, pick, every time you know pick Tarantino no Coppola uh, Scorsese like those are people you'd probably consider masters but like you know, I would also consider Refin, Corinne. I mean, Herzog, I think, is pretty household by now where he can be considered a master, I think. Um, maybe maybe it's like, just filmmaker series. Maybe we tone it back, like, to something super vague so we can do whatever we want. Like, 
um, you know, so that way we can do like Kaufman, you know what I mean? And, and new people who haven't quite like made who, you know, but so we could do like a Shane Carruth one at the same you know? time. He's only made two movies, but at the same time, I mean, in the last episode, you even said that Shane Carruth is probably the one person you would consider an auteur. So like, it's not like it's necessarily the wrong label. Cause it kind of alludes to what we are trying to talk about with the series, you know, like we're going to talk about one person's filmography for a series of episodes and you know if we talk about like you know our, our first series is going to be Tarantino so if we talk about Tarantino you that's kind of an auteur you know what I mean like it doesn't it's not wrong necessarily right you know it's not it's kind of just I, I, the best term I, would I wonder say. if we like instead of only doing directors we dive into like writers and cinema like you know we do like a Deacons thing you know for a little bit just to kind of like hey look at the similar type of cinematography here or a Lubeski thing or you know like any anyone really we could even do a wardrobe thing where like we we get like the best like wardrobe uh you know artists that are that are out there in the film world and and do an episode with them because that that could be really interesting because I do like directors but I feel like really something that would help like uh, us understand like how artists do work in movies like sometimes it's sometimes it's about the wardrobe you know what i mean or or the hair and makeup totally i'd be curious about that i'm totally not disagreeing with you because like uh i'll talk about this a little bit later more specifically but i finished watching thin red line and jack fisk was the production designer so like this is uh you know however many three or four times that he's come up now so like it would be important i think to focus on that but yeah. if you were to focus on Deacons or someone, you're going to eventually hit the Coen brothers or, like, who, you know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. going to eventually hit, or Kaminsky, you're going to hit Spielberg. So, like, in focusing on the director, you're going to hit those people anyway. You know what I mean? So, like, right. I, th- I don't I know. Think what the, it, the, the thing is, though, is the fact that, like, it just feels like, we're talking about the a tour nature of the directors and there's people that we're crediting for certain work yet it's still like the director's vision like the, I don't know but then you look at it like know. we talked about this last time well then you so. look at it like Malik John Toll shot Thin Red Line but then Lubezki shot the rest of Malik stuff so like it's still Malik you know the the continuing thread is Malik not the cinematographer necessarily and I'm not saying the cinematographer is not important but there's a reason why the director exists above the line instead of below the line right right and, and maybe in that maybe sense the writer would actually master, be important to talk about master director I, I just hate the word auteur like Legendary. I just hate it like that's that's what this is coming down to like I just think it's douchey I mean we could like, call it the director series if we, I guess the director the, series. The, the master director series. I wouldn't I even say know. master. I would just say the director <laughs> series. But I don't know. I mean, that's it's for now. It's titled Otour. So maybe in the next hour and a half, when we keep talking, we'll come up with a better yeah. name. Because <laughs> we're we're never gonna get to our. <laughs> There's so many adjectives. That I know, we right? Use. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Otour just seemed to fit when we were initially coming up with the idea. Oh, just maybe it. a listener will give us a better idea. You the know? general yeah. cinema. Maybe. How do we not be? Uh, how do we not use a tour? 
send it into. But see, the other reason why we picked Otour too was because when we set it up, we did the Otour theory episode, which was supposed to lead into it, but we wanted to kind of like talk about Fate of the Furies as well, so we kind of split it up. But it was initially supposed to be Otour theory and then Otour series. You know what I mean? Like. It was supposed right. to be a description of what it is or what it isn't, and then we could talk about the directors. So it was it was supposed to connect, right, initially. So I don't know. I want to go back to um, the, the Harmony Corinne versus Spielberg movie. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, hilarious. I just want to say, whoever is out there listening, if you picked a Harmony Corinne movie before a Spielberg movie, you are my people. <laughs> like, if you choose Trash Humpers over, you know, E.T., then I I am, I have your back. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, like, comparing the two. Byron two. will bring the ice cream. <laughs> yes, yes. He'll bring it. <laughs> it, it may be a back rub, depending on the, the, the sex. <laughs> or, or a different kind of rub. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. Better be uh, good ice cream. That's for sure. Not really. Maybe, maybe, maybe like a picture of ice cream. Like just like, a, just a, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a tease. Like you're teasing ice cream. Like, hey, this could be yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you like ET or trash jumpers? Realistically, to anyone who's out there listening, you should be watching both movies. Like. Yeah, you know, for sure. Like, yeah, exactly. That's there's the no reason like comparing and contrasting is going to happen. But if you're, you want to get serious into it or have any sort of say, not say, but you know, if you want to talk about movies, like you should be watching both to get a to get that variety. You know, Werner Herzog speaks very highly of Harmony Corinne, so that right. should tell you a whole lot about his movies. I mean, like, for me, I couldn't re- I couldn't compare a Harmony Corinne film to a Spielberg film They're at not all. Like, I, could, I couldn't do that at all. That, I was, that, I was maybe being, we should do an episode I was being on, just on a them, because uh, it's fascinating. I, I like, just, it's like the ultimate contrast. Oh, I know. I mean, I just, I am such a fan of Harmony Corinne's movies that I had to just kind of make a little joke of that, but, yeah, no, in all honesty, like, I couldn't even compare the two. They're so different. Like, if you were to say, like, if you were to take uh, either a Spielberg film or a Harmony Crenn film to to an alien race and be like, what represents cinema to you? I would pick Harmony Crenn. But is one better than the other? I couldn't say. I mean, you know? if you're a budding filmmaker or a person who wants to be a filmmaker, you should be pulling from both of them. Because that just... Sh- I mean, the the spectrum of how to direct a movie or make a movie is so big that... I mean, basically, they exist on the opposite side of the same spectrum, you know? So, like, you should be pulling how to make a movie from Spielberg because the guy's made billion-dollar movie. Like, it is billions of dollars over his career in terms of movies, and he knows how to make a certain type of movie where Corinne knows how to make a movie, but it's just a different type of movie. Actually, I think, just to counter your point, I think it depends on what kind of filmmaker you want to be. Disagree 100%. If if you want to be an artistic filmmaker or director, then I would say go find everything that's out there and then find your place in it. I think... But if you are, you know, doing... If you want to do commercial stuff, I think you need a vast knowledge, but I I think, like, a, a vast amount of work to pull from. I don't think you necessarily need to research one 
director. Like, I, I think you need to. I'm not saying you, you need know, to research. Be well versed in. No, a, I'm not a saying bunch you need stuff, to. But maybe I don't think you'd like need to watch. All I'm saying is that if you're stuff. if you're trying to be a commercial director, it will not hurt you to look at films that are the opposite of commercial. Is basically what I'm saying. I'm not oh, saying yeah. you need to look at yeah, Corinne's I, films I agree with that. specifically because he's not. Harmony Corinne is not an accessible filmmaker to get into by any stretch, but the way his methodology versus Spielberg's methodology is important to understand both because even if you're in like the if, if you find yourself where Spielberg is at making hundreds of millions of dollar uh, movies or whatever and you're in that tight spot maybe that one time you learned about how Harmony Corinne fucking threw James Franco and all those Disney stars into like a real situation where they almost got killed maybe that's what you want to do for your movie at that time you know what I mean like whatever like directors a lot of creativity comes out of the fact that they get stumped on what they're trying to do so then they have to appeal to their knowledge you know I I think yeah I I agree with I agree with that I I do agree I think this brings up a really interesting um, topic that I've been kind of stewing around a little bit too is I think what's super important I think when it comes to just like talking about films and even film like your personal taste and opinion and stuff is that it's kind of a complicated subject but I think for me I think you have to be like just like honest with yourself and the type of movies you like and you want to make at the same time get uncomfortable dive into something new and this is also tied into something like the whole film bro thing that we brought up before like all jokes aside like the thing that's kind of interesting to me is this film bro thing is a lot of these movies are movies that aren't necessarily what people go out to the movie theaters were like uh, initially right like like fight club bombed when it first came out but now it's like one of those cult classic film bro movies where like every if you don't like fight club then it's like well you know but yet most of the people that say that Fight Club is like their favorite movie has no idea about film theory or like you know what I mean like it's not it's the best though <laughs> but like you know it's it's interesting so it's like so here you have people that maybe aren't even into film as an art form but they appreciate Fight Club as a movie to some degree yet some people are saying it just because they are saying it because they want to be cool or they want to seem like they're cultured in film theory and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because at least they're watching it, you know. Um, but it's it, tie, it ties in, at least for me, a little bit with, like, like, just don't be afraid to have your own opinions about movies and don't, like, just watch a particular type of movie or say that you watch a particular, particular type of movie. I mean, like, for me, there's, like, a lot of guys out there that only watch like romantic comedies but yet they would would never ever like say that because they don't want to look like they're you know unmasculine or something which to me is bullshit it's a fucking movie and if you want to if you enjoy that particular type of movie then you should just like watch it and not be afraid to you know either talk about it or whatever because it's it's film you know at, at some at the end of the day I don't know. It's it's kind of I went on a little bit of a spiel there. But no, like, I totally this is agree. why Byron is on the podcast. <laughs> totally agree. You can just wrap it all up and be like, guys, no bullshit. Just go watch it. You know what I mean? I mean, well, as, a watch viewer, as a viewer, you should watch things you enjoy. At the same time, you should sprinkle in things that you might 
not enjoy because like even though the fact that I hated yeah, How yeah. to Marry a Millionaire I still found value in oh, how sure. they made the movie and and then I got to learn about the history of the movie and and like that it helped inform me in the ways that like like thinking about uh, shots as paintings and like pulling in how you can frame a shot as a painting or have have multiple people multiple people on screen and how you can play around with that uh, like physicality and stuff so like just because you hate a movie doesn't mean you can't learn from it and especially if you're a filmmaker you have no reason ever to not watch a whole variety of movies yeah like I mean it's like if you like if you're that guy that loves romantic comedies that's like awesome at the same time you know don't be afraid to like dive into something a little different you know if you want to if you still want to do romantic comedy check out you know 1930s um you know i think like it just happened one night it's a 1930s black it and white one night. i think i watched you know, that before actually. um comedy you know has clark gable and um that's the one where she shows her leg and it's like really racy i think so yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean it's it's a, it's a it's a fantastic film it's the same genre as you know the romantic comedies that are made today but yet it's different so like don't be afraid to you know get a different look on things or just dive into something different and like if you really want to do something super extreme and you only listen or watch like spielberg type movies and you know Give Harmony Corinne or someone like that a different type of filmmaker a, a go just just for kicks. Just go to go to the the weird art house cinema near yeah. your house. Yeah, like just go just go try it. You know, mm. just go test if if you haven't. Just go just go yeah. find something. It's worth a try you know? at least once. Um, yeah, an interesting idea that was brought up in a different podcast that I listened to. Uh, this guy was making an argument for older films and how he didn't understand the hate of older films because essentially what you're watching is like you're watching something that was made from before you were even a thought before you were conceived before you were on this earth you're watching something that existed in a time where you just weren't so like by watching a movie like that you can learn so much even though it's fictional you can still learn a whole lot about the times and the people and stuff like that it's just it's never a negative experience you know if you can find a way to like to get something from it you know yeah i i agree and i i think sometimes like like movies are catered towards an audience right like there are movies for little boys in high or you know in middle school elementary school there's movies there's movies for every type of person that's out there and so, you know, it's hard to convince, like, a, you know, a nine-year-old to not go see Pixar and to go see, like, or to stay at home and watch this four-by-three black-and-white movie, you know what I mean, from the studio system from, like, the 50s. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to convince them to, to do something. Like, and I think that extends all through, like, all people are like that. Like, I think it's hard, unless you're really into movies and, and you're into different kinds of movies, it's... You know, like I, you know, like my family, they love comedies and they love Adam Sandler comedies, like flat out, even the new ones, which I I kind of enjoy as well. (laughs) If I'm going to admit an embarrassing, uh, you know, because, you know, they're, they're it's kind of the laughing stock of the like art society of film, which it is that society important. 
you know, it really just depends on your worldview, I guess. But, um, you know, we love watching. Like, whenever I go over there, we're watching the Adam Sandler movie where they go to Hawaii that it has, like, Jennifer Aniston in it and uh, that one guy I, you know i can't even i don't even know the title of it but i you know i've seen it like six times because whenever we go over there we watch it but like they are into those kind of movies and sometimes like I, I feel like a lot of viewers they they don't give two shits about art films like at all or or any type or like how films are like pushing the envelope or anything like that or or doing something unique or different or creative or whatever um, sometimes it's about like I had a 10 hour shift at work I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch that same movie that I love because I know I love it you know what I mean like it's I, I just I think it's really hard I, I totally forgot where I was even going with this but I think it's really hard for anyone to like push beyond what their their comfort zone very much you know so. what I, mean? and I would say like so but if you can do it you know what i mean i mean that's part of the reason we're doing this is because like you know we've already watched films that i don't like we're gonna watch films that you don't like maybe we'll watch films that byron doesn't like i don't know i can't tell at this point <laughs> kind of just like every movie I, I've actually so. I've, I've, i like every movie that we've watched so far every single one so i you know i challenge you guys to find that movie for me. I wonder. And, yeah. I think, and I guess for Byron, because you've liked them all, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, what movie do you not like? What movie, well, name one. One movie that you just know <laughs> that you hate. Oh, man. That I you just despise. It's not in his heart, I dude. honestly can't he, say he right now. No like, I, I honestly can't think of one right now that I'm Can like. Can you have till the end of the episode to come up with a oh, movie man. Byron's all love, dude. That's, that's, I, the, thing. that's the thing. He's all love. That's the thing is I always find something that I'll be like, well, that was cool about, right? Um, Man, that's tough. I mean, there's a few films where I just get upset because it's like, man, like you, 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 you spent that that film cost you know thirty million dollars to make, and you did that with that, like, you know, stuff like that where I get like frustrated or disappointed. Uh, I'm just like, yeah. what the hell, you know? Yeah, um, that makes sense. I don't know. That's actually super tough. I'm gonna try and think of one um, of a movie <laughs> that that I absolutely hate or just like that I kind of just like dislike. I don't know which which is easier. Maybe, oh, maybe hate. I want to see the hate. Oh man, I don't know. I want to see. I want to see that side of Byron because you're all love, man, oh, all the time. Gosh, I don't. You gotta get outside that comfort zone and start well, hating. Something. I'll tell you what. I'll shift us into the topic, and then you can think about it for a little while. Okay. And maybe oh, as we man. talk, we'll, it'll something will pop up. Okay, let me see. Yeah. Right. Okay. Throw someone under the bus. Do it. Don't say any of my movies from college. I was going to say, there's this one film. No, no. Uh, okay. So our main topic this week is kind of a variety of topics, really. But uh, So we're going to be discussing, discussing tentpole films, franchises, and kind of I this idea that I want to bring up which is kind of like the evolution of the action hero and kind of what it's become uh, so our first film is Marvel's The Avengers made in 2012 the film was written and directed by Joss Whedon it stars Chris Evans Scarlett Johansson Robert Downey Jr. Mark Ruffalo Chris Hemsworth Jeremy Renner Tom Hiddleston Samuel Jackson Gwyneth Paltrow and way more people total ensemble cast uh, it was produced by Victoria Alonso, Luis de Esposito, John Favreau, 
uh, Alan Fine, Jeremy Latcham, and Patricia Witcher. It was shot by Seamus McGarvey, edited by Jeffrey Ford and Lisa Lassie. Uh, music was by Alan Silvestri. Production design was by James Chinland. And costumes were done by Alexandra Byrne. Um, so the film was the highest grossing film of 2012 and is the third highest grossing film of all time. It went on to set a bunch of other box office and Disney distribution records. Uh, generally speaking, the film holds a very high rating, kind of just across the board. Wherever you check for your ratings, you're probably going to find that this movie is up there in, if not the 90 percentile, then the 80 percentile for sure. It's really high. Um, it's really popular. Uh, the film mainly used green and blue screen techniques to achieve a lot of the effects uh, so, for example, this was done by building a partial set that the actors could exist in, and then uh, basically effects artists came in and filled in the background and the destruction, destruction sequences around all the actors. Uh, you can see some behind-the-scenes stuff. I think the most obvious one is, like, the bridge scene, which they kind of come back to. I, uh, it's n I don't think it's right in front of Grand Central, but it's a pretty a fairly known landmark in New York and they basically constructed the bridge and then it's a bunch of blue screen around them and green screen around them to so that the actors have a place to be and interact uh, but it's it's cheaper to and more realistic to show a broken New York if you digitally create it uh, and then aerial sequences such as the kind of I would say the only long take that I really noticed in the movie, which is the fake sort of long take that shows each hero kind of doing their own fighting thing, where it kind of goes from the ground to Hulk in the air and, and, and Hawkeye on the building and stuff like that. So that was done by essentially flying a bunch of drones around the city uh, to get the plates that uh, compositors would use later. And then basically those elements were all composited in the cgi elements were all composited in and then the the images were stitched together to give that seamless long take look uh so we're discussing two modern films this week as kind of opposed to maybe a more variety um because this idea of tentpole movies is a pretty modern idea um I mean, franchises have existed before this time, obviously. I mean, I'm going to be talking about kind of the uh, history of action, the action genre a little bit. Um, and, you know, James Bond, that whole franchise was kind of started, you know, in the 50s and 60s. So it, the idea of franchises has definitely been around, but this more modern idea where you're gonna you know you're making a movie for a franchise and that this this movie will be something that's kind of like a, a the spring or the start to the rest of the series you know i think we're talking about avengers specifically because like marvel's cinematic universe is basically the blueprint for uh tentpole movies nowadays um 
So just what is a tentpole movie? Just real quickly, according to Wikipedia, a tentpole, tentpole film is a widely released offering in a string of releases that are designed to be big hits and turn a short-term profit. So uh, these movies generally have huge budgets, heavy promotion, and they are released as widely as possible, generally globally. Uh, and typically, these movies are all designed to have merchandising attached to it. So, I mean, you know, you look at Avengers and you're basically, that's what you're seeing. Um, and the first weekend and the first couple of weeks, it basically made all its money back and then some. Um, and then went on to make over a billion dollars globally. So they released it globally and just, and and saw success basically wherever it was released. And then obviously, even before the Avengers, we already had superhero toys. But now we have specifically mm-hmm. Avenger the Avenger Thor, the Avenger Hulk, the Avenger Iron Man, all these mm-hmm. toys, costumes, I mean, you name it, and you can get some sort of Marvel-branded anything, you know? Yeah. Even have, Just uh, go to Target. Superhero porn. <laughs> yeah, the offshoot. Yeah, the- if, you're, uh, if you're one of, you know, Byron's uh, special trash humpers. Uh, <laughs> if you're one of Byron's members, people. Byron, by- the Byron's people. Byron <laughs> yeah. can hook you up yeah, yeah. with some special Marvel stuff porn. that he found on Reddit. Yeah. Smurf I mean, porn, porn just, <laughs> porn <laughs> tries to ride the wave. So if Marvel's making the money, they're going to make it. It does yeah. ride the wave. Yeah, they're going to make rides, it. So. Rides the wave real good. <laughs> but yeah, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to put an explicit tag on this podcast pretty soon. You're gonna have to do that for oh, all of them. Oh man, Jesus! <laughs> well, yeah. So that's kind of the spiel for the first one, and why we're talking about kind of two modern films. Because I think I, you know, with with Marvel's whole like, the, what do they have? Like the next twenty years planned out, or some, or the next ten years at least planned. Yeah. Out. Well, they they announced the release dates of like their movies going into like 2024 or something or 2026 or something which we'll see <laughs> you know what I mean we'll we'll see which ones they actually do i mean they they announced uh they announced the avengers after the success of iron man and everyone was like really like you're going <laughs> to Really? Are you sure? You know what I mean? And it was like four years later. They were like, here's the release date. So it was, and they nailed it. So, you know, it's, you know, I mean, we'll it, see. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, obviously they already have it, you know, like when you're building a tentpole franchise like this or building a franchise, there are people who are just going to spend an abnormal amount of time picturing the future and laying out the groundwork yeah. for what's coming. It is someone's job. Totally. But uh, I, the difference is they publicly announced it. So Which it's not weird. like they were like here's here's our plan for the next 15 years in like a board meeting. Like ideally if we hit all these points here's, here's all the best dates where our movies can perform at the highest quality and you know what I mean and get the most audience. But you know, to do it publicly, that's different. It's totally it's different, different to announce that and basically say, "Hey, these are our dates." You know, you can't if you want to release Star Wars. Well, I guess they own Star Wars. If you want to release, uh, you know, the Fast and Furious movie on this date, then uh, or maybe you know. Justice League is a better example. Or Justice, yeah, that's DC. See, this you is, know, this is this is why I can't do the podcast alone, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need both of you. Um, 
but yeah i mean yeah basically saying hey justice league we have this slot here and yeah it's you know may day weekend but it's ours it's ours now good luck if basically you, and you know whether or not they actually do it or not it's kind of like putting a you know it's people are noticing and saying okay here's this powerhouse that is just kind of taken over and deciding like what dates we can release you know our warner brothers you know dc universe stuff so well they're the big kid on the playground right now i mean even yeah i would say even you know tarantino got pushed out a little bit trying to come up against a star wars release you know like yeah hateful eight was kind of a little bit lower and you know he was definitely thinking himself i'm sure that i'm tarantino like there's no i can compete you know what i mean and you just you can't basically like he he you just can't you really yeah. can't and like it's not i mean the hateful eight was successful but it was successful later because you just they, they actually pushed his uh, film out of a theater I know. Like the, his, yeah, his, I was just gonna yeah, say I that because like he was gonna have his premiere at that big yep. theater, um, you know, because the film at, was at shot Chinese. Oh, um, was it that Chinese? I don't think it was the Chinese. It was like this really big. It was like the big IMAX theater there, there in LA, I believe. It was a big deal. Like yeah. it, it was like this huge, because you know it's it shot in seventy millimeter or what, you know they, they, it was gonna be shown in you know the the big wide. It was know. designed to be shown in IMAX essentially. Right. Yeah. So like, and then. Like last minute, they said, "Nope, sorry, we're gonna actually show we're doing Star, Star Wars. Wars instead." And he oh, was God. pissed. He was super pissed. Yeah. You know, I, I was even looking at it like, "Dude, you're a good filmmaker. You're not. You're smart. So I don't know why you're trying to compete with that." You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it, the theater was the Cinerama Dome. That's it. Yeah, that was the name of it. And Tarantino said, and I quote. It was real bad news, and it really fucking pissed me off. And I think <laughs> I want to voice it right now. That's what he told the the oh, reporter. Jesus, dude. Like, come on, man. I imagine Tarantino went to the reporter's house for this. <laughs> for you know, reason. maybe it wasn't even Tarantino's idea. Maybe it was just... Yeah, I, mean, I, I doubt it is. I mean, I think that that's all, you know, producers and marketing people, I yeah. think, you know. Yeah, the that decides the slots yeah. that you're going in. I mean, yeah. and I think you know Tarantino has hit that December Christmas era, you know, you know, uh, slot for quite a few years now. Um, so I think that's kind of his thing, you know. But now Star Wars is trying to it's do a big the Christmas. Slot. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's there's a lot of money in the Christmas, right? Uh, Christmas and summer. That's kind of the the two big. Ones. That's why Star Wars is hitting the Christmas now. You right. Know what I mean, like the last one was Christmas. Always. This one's Christmas. I'm sure the next one will be Christmas. And it's just like it's Oscar season, you know. Yeah. Like it's prime. prime You're kind Oscar of fitting season. everything in for that year, just yeah. so you can be a part of the Oscars for that year. Yeah, and um, and I know there's, we'll probably do a an episode on this, but like the the whole Oscar, like trying to get an Oscar, like those kind of movies, you know, where you're like trying to get in, like nominated, trying to get your films nominated. Uh, I think according to a lot of people, having it released like closer to the Oscar date means that people will actually remember your movie yeah <laughs> so it's, it's not true. even like people just forget about the movies that came out before that's, unless they're super good that's why mad max it was awesome that yes because it was yep. it came out in march and it, and then you know february of the of, of the next year was the oscars and it just you know it swept 
that year for our, the most Oscar wins of any film. Wait, um, which is also year. cool because it's an action movie, right? Too. Right. So like you don't normally yeah, sci-fi see those kinds of movies. It's like a sci-fi action film, like the, the, the combo that like never gets you know award buzz at all or even I attention. Know, so you cool. Know? Yeah. So cool. Epic. But you know, I think Gravity also came out in like March. Um, and it also did pretty well in the in the Oscars too. Yeah, well, it was playing at festivals before that, but yeah, I think it got released publicly afterwards. You know, afterwards. Yeah, yeah there you go. So yep. that's it, okay. That's, that makes that's sense. what I noticed too with like Wolf of Wall Street or whatever. You know, some you know even the Revenant. It was released limitedly or through festivals, and then it wasn't until right before, during, or a little bit after the Oscars when the public can actually see it, you know? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That's funny, because they're trying to, like, fit it in. They're trying to, like, right. get this, like, exclusive viewing of it to kind of build hype sort of a thing. Yeah, for sure. Exclusivity, yeah. man. It's huge. Exclusivity. Yeah, because, you know, in your trailer, if you, you can put, you know, nominated for six Academy Awards, and people are like, ooh, cool, exactly. you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, what is this? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so one, one thing I just a one more side note on this topic. Uh, one thing I noticed here in Phoenix, the downtown theater, and I never really noticed this before, but the one that's downtown at Arizona Center, it's a uh, it has twenty four screens. It's ginormous. Um, it uh, it plays a lot of the Oscar nominated, like the Oscar winning movies after they come out. So like, there's like a two week period where. where it'll like you know it played like spotlight you know what i mean for for a while afterwards and a, and a couple of the other ones and i i just thought that was kind of interesting because it's it, it makes sense that they like come back to the theater but i never really thought about it and i actually went and watched a couple of them because because of that yeah i've noticed that the last few years too so like even this last year you know moonlight came to our local like kind of art house uh theater the pickford theater um for a little bit you know, kind of when it was first getting the buzz, right? But then after, or right before and then after it won the Oscar, it came back to the big Barkley Regal Cinemas, you know, theater. They had a $35 ticket package to watch all of the Oscar-nominated right. movies. Yeah. I, yeah, I saw that's that, That's weird. Too. And I, I don't yeah. really remember ever, you know, ever seeing that before. So I think it, you know, that's, again, also deals probably with the studios, you know, mm -hmm. where... Oh, totally. You know, so it's yeah. just more more money, you know. That's all it is. Yeah. It all comes down to money. And I, I, I wonder if, like, we're... I mean, obviously, we're seeing this now and we're probably going to see more of it later but i wonder if it's because of how popular the oscars have gotten you know what i mean like they they're actually waning in popularity aren't they maybe this is a way to because I, I think they've been struggling to keep the interest for the oscars so i think this is oh, a really? way to oh, i'm pretty bullshit. sure no i'm pretty I, I i don't know this exactly but i think my general from what i've been seeing generally is that the, the popularity for the Oscars has generally gone down, so this, I think, is a way to kind of, like, look, we are picking out good movies, you know, and here's your chance to watch them again. Like, you know, I don't know, good Weird. press, basically. Um, I don't yeah, know. I could be wrong, though. I think, and there's been some controversies, you know, with, like, the, the racial stuff, you know. Totally. So that that's kind of also hurt them to some degree, and then they try and make up, and, yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, the politics of that is right. weird. I don't know, <laughs> it's just weird, I think. I'd like to talk about... I'm almost tempted... Actually, I won't say that. It'd be interesting to talk about the like movie politics as a more serious 
topic and subject and stuff because it's a pretty big aspect to try and cover because it's always ongoing to <clears throat> to see where things go um in terms of talking about m- like making money and wide viewing and keeping things in theaters and stuff like that uh I wanted to talk about the, like, how, like, so the whole point of a tentpole in the franchise is to appeal to the largest audience possible because, one, the movies are expensive to make, and, two, there's a lot of investors, so they need to make, you know, if you can assume that if a budget has, if a budget is showing at $250 it's probably closer to 350 or 400 so you have to essentially make back about a billion to cover all your costs and make a profit, right? Uh, so I wanted to actually discuss the importance of the PG-13 rating and lower to these movies because, like, we brought this up before where in the first episodes they're basically kind of jabbing at how PG-13 sucks and R is kind of the way to go, but <laughs> it's hard to have an R-rated tentpole movie because you're going to be cutting out a whole slew of people. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring up the fact, because both our movies today are PG-13, and I, every Marvel movie besides Deadpool and Logan have been PG-13, and every Fast and Furious movie has been PG-13. It's, isn't Deadpool... Deadpool's owned by... Sony though, right? It's not Disney. Uh, well, it was Marvel was shown at the beginning of it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, it's. I want to say Deadpool is either Sony or 20th Century or Fox. Fox yeah, it, I think it's Sony because Sony. Or wait. Oh yeah, it might be Fox. I want to say Logan is. No, nope, you're Fox. right. It is Fox because so Sony has Spider-Man. Logan is Fox. I have, That's I have true. it backwards because because Fox owns the rights to X-Men. Yeah, is Dead Deadpool is part of no, Fox, no, right? no, Deadpool is Marvel because the issue they were having was that they could only they couldn't it was too expensive to get the other like that's why they showed Colossus and uh, Negasonic Teenage Wasteland because it was expensive to get the rest of the characters and that's why they made a meta joke about it too like oh this is all we could afford to get was you two you know what I mean it's funny they're both Marvel though it's Marvel no. but under 20th Century Fox Marvel owns the rights in, in terms of the characters to like it's, like if they want to make Deadpool is Fox right. I just looked yeah, it up Deadpool and Logan are both Fox but are they're under sh- the Marvel yeah. brand and X-Men yeah 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 they're Deadpool under the Marvel brand, and that's why it has the Marvel logo at the beginning of the film. Right, they However, own the rights to the character, but right. then there's movie rights. But I, I, they made a joke about that. So I'm, I, they, they did, yeah. It's I mean, kind of weird. If it's owned by Fox, then they should have had no problem throwing in... Maybe it had to do with like the CG or getting the actors. But I think like it was also there. for the joke. I honestly think it or, was for or the it was joke. Build for no, the I joke. No, I seriously you, think it was even better. Just for yeah, the I think joke it seriously itself. was, and, and also they just wanted it to make a low, but a lower budget film because you know they were, they were having it because it was R rated. They were making you know taking a, a risk with it. So I think that's primarily what it was for. I don't think they like were like, oh well, we we really can't get this character because we don't have the the rights or whatever right uh to the characters i really think it was mainly because that's what the script said the joke that's and, possible but i think yeah, I, I could be wrong i think I you're could right be wrong. about that but yeah, i think that's I, my gut says you're right like deadpool's but, like whole you know the meta thing and this is humor and it, and the whole thing with uh hugh jackman you know uh you know that the when he would go into 
you know, he'd ma- he he's making fun of Hugh Jackman, you know, uh, in the movie and stuff. So like, there's that whole. Appa- okay, so just a side a- side aside here. Apparently, Hugh Jackman is going to play himself in the next Deadpool movie <laughs> because of that <laughs> That'd joke. That'd be awesome. That's yeah, awesome. So that'll be that'll be That's fucking cool. hilarious. But okay, well, so basically, what we're saying is that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe itself. So the Disney Marvel side of things, right. there's never been an R-rated movie, which is because like, and ne- I mean, audiences are kind of proving that they want that. So m- I doubt we'll really see it, but realistically, audiences do kind of want it because the success of Deadpool and the success of Logan is is too much to ignore, I think. But to, in keeping with the Marvel sort of like atmosphere they're trying to create which is sort of light i mean even the way the film looks is like so bright so low on contrast so tv so like accessible for lack of a better term that like that's what they're trying to do you know what i mean like yeah it seemed like they were trying to like we they didn't want to make it stylized like comic book style right exactly you know what i mean they wanted like something that was like more I, I wouldn't call it TV or anything like that but I would call it like you know yeah, god <laughs> we'll talk about this later it's in the review it's a unique style it's it's unique cuz it, yeah. it's it's actually like it's like accessible it's but what's weird about it is there aren't any other films that I can think of that look like the cinematic unit you know the Marvel cinematic universe I think you films. need to watch more TV movies See I don't watch a lot of TV movies yeah <laughs> No uh, it's it's something that I noticed and Calling it a TV look might be the wrong thing, and I, I really want to talk about it later, like in the review section, because I have some opinions. I kind of like things. the look, though, like especially like um, Captain America: Winter Soldier and Captain America: Civil War. Those two films, for me, like the way they look, kind of. I don't know. I really like that look. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's kind of a cool style, and I think it's the director. It's almost like that like that half bleach bypass. Kinda, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like just like like. 20% bleach but it's bypass. like extra sharp like I, yeah. I know, and I think they used Aria, it's, like clean. it's low Lexus. contrast yeah. high saturation and sharpness it's, I, I just yeah. I don't know I like it it's different um, I mean it's different than say a lot of like the low saturation high contrast you know look we get nowadays right for movies, yeah. I would say like super, like Superman. We'll just put yeah. a filter on it. Now it looks cinematic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, think you, you just Google how do I make my movie cinematic, oh, God, yeah. and then it just it sends you a filter. Some of those, some of those that. are fantastic if you know how to use them right, and like you can adjust and you know do crazy stuff. But most people, I think, are lazy and just want to slap it on, just like an Instagram filter. Mm-hmm. But we've talked yeah. about that before. <laughs> Filt shift for days, man. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think I think accessibility is the good word here. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a good word. I mean, yeah. the plot, like the plot, and the exposition was all stated in a way that was, I mean, even because because you gotta think they're they're marketing a merchandise towards kids, so the kids have to be able to understand what's happening in the movie, but it still has to be entertaining enough that adults want to watch the movie, and they found some sort of balance in between, you know, that's what we mm-hmm. could call accessible which is the whole point like if you think of, think of a tent literally there's a big fucking door on one side of a tent that is lets you access the tent right the tent is accessible so if you're building yeah. a tent or it's film, more like like the the pole of the tent that holds the entire tent up you know what i mean like the biggest pole Th- this movie is holding up 
the idea of temples is that they're holding up the entire studio. So that they're too. making yes, a movie exactly. where they'll probably make an ass load of money so that way they can go make the movies that, you know, that the smaller movies and, the you know, and maybe the more artful movies that won't make as much or are maybe are huge risks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Welcome yep. to the circus. So. That is the circus. <laughs> yeah. We are just sitting in the bleachers surrounded by the peanut crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we're occasionally eating peanuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're so starved, right? Yeah. No. But I mean, I keeping with the tent metaphor, too, like if you think about it, like when you put together a tent, the pieces that you th- – like the, the poles themselves all have a string in it so that the the – the pieces always come together in the same way. And it's always like, you know, if you were to break each little pole down, that's kind of the section of the movie. And it's all put together. What the f- It's all put together. <laughs> that was so loud. What <laughs> was Whatever that? you just blew or something. Oh, there was, there was a piece of dust on my oh. keyboard. I was blowing it Oh, out. well, yeah. I wonder what that's going to sound like when I go back what? to edit. I, I did it out of the microphone. Oh. I think I, I did it. I think I did it. Oh, that's what it was. That I used to, right? Because that's loud, right? Yeah. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. We'll leave that in. <laughs> that's that's gold. That's why people listen to the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so like basically the pieces all come together in the same way. It's never going to change. It's it's um, what's the word? It's it's the expectations are the same, right? Because yeah, like the the, the 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 tent goes up, and then everyone is sitting there waiting for the the parade of ponies and the pretty girl to come out. And it's the same yep. thing because you know when you go to the circus and the the, the tent's there, you go in the tent and you're going to look and mm-hmm. you're you're there for the for the same thing mm-hmm. every year when the when the circus comes to town, you're going there for the same. You're not like expecting anything new, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what yeah. for me these tentpole movies are like. You're not expecting anything that different, you know. As much as I want them to be different, you know, I have this weird thing where I watch one of these Marvel films. And at the end, I'm not really disappointed, which is actually really yeah. sad because. But you're not. Yeah, you're not. But you're not like really excited. Either, no. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're like this. No, you're just numb. Like the Marvel <laughs> movies for me and same with Fast and the Furious, like that. Both of these series are like weird, guilty pleasures of mine. Yeah, like Fast and Furious is. Guilty. Oh, for you sure, know what I mean? Because sure. it's like one of those yeah. things. It's like they're PG-13. I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, both of these, I think, would be better if they were more, like, edgier, right? But at the same time, when the movie ends, I'm still, like, satisfied to a degree because I have this weird, like, I, I kind of like them in this weird way because they deliver on some level, right? Not the same type of level as, like, you know... A Harmony Crane film, or a Christopher <laughs> Nolan film, or a Nicholas yeah. Winding Raffin well, film, or Marvel is you know. doing a new superhero called The Trash Humper. And he just goes around. <laughs> it's already my favorite. Trash. <laughs> yeah, except he has a cool suit. I just, now. I don't know. It's just weird because, like, this whole PG thirteen thing too. I mean, I completely understand it, and I'd rather have it be PG thirteen than fucking PG. You know, like, but at the same yeah. time, I think. It boils down to, I think it needs to be the material, it needs to be honest to the material, right? So like Logan, for example, the material of that film demanded an R rating. So it got an R rating, which is awesome. And that movie was so much better because of it. 
um, you know, a film I like... Could, I can't imagine Captain America taking a shield and bashing someone's head into a bloody pulp, right? Right. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, if I saw that, it would be amazing, and I would love it. <laughs> like, I would love it. At the same time, yeah. I can't... But that's why you go to movies. Right. You yeah, know, it's because yeah. you want to see that. I wanna, yeah, you know I, I want to get that, like... Fuck yeah! You but know, that's one hundred percent against yeah. his character. Like, you know, you can't. Right. Right. So I and that's that's that's. Oh, sorry. Oh go no, ahead. go ahead. It's cool. Oh, uh, I was gonna say that's where like you know you're saying like I just want to see like this crazy like bloody thing, or I want to see like a pretty girl come out. Like that's the magic of Temple is like no matter who you are that thing you want to see is gonna appear there. Right. Like, and that's what they're built for. Like, they're built to like. You, you know they're built for a mass audience you know what i mean they're built f- to be really wide reaching and to get everyone kind of involved um in it and really it's you know temp- temples don't just exist like you can't just make a temple film you have to like make like you know marvel they made iron man they were not sure exactly how well it would do but i mean they were you know trying to make a movie with mass appeal and it was huge. Um, and because of that, then they created, you know, they decided that they would do this whole series of movies to build up to this huge movie, um, which was the Avengers. Yeah, I mean, I'm- and because of that, Avengers is like, hey, everything's been kind of building up to this. And now it's our time to, like, make a whole bunch of money. You see it with businesses all the time. Like, Amazon hadn't turned a profit for years. Google, right? too, yeah. And Google, yeah. But <clears throat> I think, like... Two years ago, Amazon turned its first profit. You know what I mean? So they're just basically like, they're like winding up, you know? They're just cranking, like winding up, winding up, winding up, winding up. And then finally they're like, bam. And then they make money. So that's kind of the whole idea here. Yeah, because like with Avengers. I think like all of us, I think we can see the math. We can see the math behind like the Avengers and stuff where it has all these elements. And like, I I, I can't lie. Like, I actually respect the fact that the, there's a lot of effort going into these films it, it, regarding how they're being presented, you know, how they're, the marketing behind it is impressive. Like The executives have been thinking about this. Yeah, like sure. it's not only just the marketing as in like trailers and how the trailers are cut, but just how the movie is, the casting, you know? It's like, okay, so you got Scarlett Johansson in there, so you have like kind of the, you know, the the sexy hero heroine right you also have yep. like the um a slew of like good looking buff dudes right you know african-american yeah, I, and white you know yeah. um, i mean you know there's a lot of like the gen x people who love robert downey jr you know what i mean right, so like right. casting him and having that you're like getting the gen xers you know what i mean so no yeah and then yeah. you have chris evans and and thor and hulk you know hulk appeals to little kids yeah you know so you kind of you get it. That's all. funny that you say that because Hulk is probably my favorite character in that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, and now you have like goes to show, Keith. Goes to no, show. No, but it's. Uh, I think Jacob, to help your example, I think DC again is a good example because look at how they're struggling to get the tent poles up right now. Like they're going, they're trying to basically shotgun a tent pole franchise because they're trying to catch up to Marvel and they're six movies behind basically you know what i mean they have batman versus man of steel and batman of Su- versus superman and then now wonder woman so, and then eventually and suicide squad. they have suicide squad too. they have suicide squad which should yeah. fit in there too a little bit right Ju- but, justice league is <clears throat> coming out pretty but quick here. but 
we've had three Iron Mans. We've had what three Thors? We've had uh, at least two Hulk I think movies. Just, I think just uh, one Thor. Two in the at least two, right? What was two. the second Thor? Uh, the dark, oh, sorry, the dark, sorry, dark you're right. world. Yeah. And then now right. Ragnarok. Then the, yep. So. I, you said Thor. I was thinking Hulk for some reason. Yeah. Was like one, at least one Hulk movie with Mark Ruffalo. Right? One, one Hulk movie. No, no with, uh, Edward, it was with Edward, Edward Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah, yeah. But it's still considered cinematic universe, right? That one. Y- yeah, it is but because it came after right. Iron. There was one. Yeah, but the Eric Bana one. one with Eric Bana, Eric, right? With, directed by Ang Lee, but that one's not yeah, considered. that one doesn't count. Doesn't count anymore. Okay. as part of it. So yeah. they're not counting that one. Okay, but I thought we had one with Mark Ruffalo. No, yeah, not yet. Okay, no, so, it had Ed Norton. Okay, in so it. but they recast Mark Ruffalo in the Avengers because Ed Norton was too expensive. And then there was at least two them. Captain America movies before DC really got into it. At least one. So you're at least looking at two to three Iron Men, one to two Thors, one at least one Captain America. Uh, two. Well, there's been three. Well, now. there's been three, but I'm talking about like kind of before DC kind of jumped into the mix. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So like, yeah. you essentially had almost six movies before DC got into it, and now I mean they're like they're struggling to get people to enjoy their movies enough to want to go see it, and like they're banking like Justice League is huge. If Justice League flops, I don't know where DC's really going to go from there. You know what I mean? Like, I they have to compete. I'm sure they have to try, but. I don't know. Marvel's got that market really cornered super. And Disney, actually, I think it's not really a Marvel as much as Disney has that corner corner or has that corner now with Star Wars and with the whole Marvel universe. I mean, that's that's it's almost like a monopoly. It's almost like a monopoly. (laughs) It's pretty scary, actually. And then their whole line of like Pixar and like animated stuff like that, like theme parks and shit like I mean they're just the new Pirates of the Caribbean coming out which is also I mean, yeah, guilty they, pleasure yeah they have Pirates too it's so crazy but it's the last one though so that's that's gonna end, is it gonna, yeah, I think that's what they is I'm pretty it? sure yeah you think so I think so okay. I think they're gonna wrap it up with this one we'll see that's what they've said but I, I have a feeling it yeah. will be I don't know the problem is is that these movies all make too much money yeah, you know what I mean, and, and it's well, kind of later what we'll talk about <laughs> with Fast and Furious too. Like Fast and Furious probably won't be dying anytime soon, but man, at a certain point, you almost are like, well, could probably yeah. let it lie, you know. Well, the the most expensive movie like ever made was the fourth Pirates. Third, movie. third, third. No, it was the fourth one. Really? I'm pretty sure yeah. it's the third one. No, because the third one and the second one went into production together. <laughs> Um, so if you split the cost of because they 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 you know publicly they they pulled them together, but here I'll I guess I'll I'll check here. Um, on on Stranger Tides, I thought so, which had a budget of three hundred and eighty million. Whoa! Holy shit! Is that stupid? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, you're right. Dude, the that's stupid. Stra- Stranger Tides has it. Yeah, that's because yeah. before that but was Pirates the third of the one. Caribbean though, right? two and three. Yeah, uh, t- at World's End is three, um, but two and three they both were they were filmed back to back, which is where we get our podcast name from, um, which means that they were greenlit at the same time, but they were uh, filmed together for I think six hundred million. Jesus Christ, dude! I can't. So even. I mean, if you split them. It's, you know, 300 million each. 
Probably so, not counting math. all the rest of the marketing and stuff. Those movies might have generally, genuinely. It's not. Maybe, it's just production. Uh, yeah, just exactly. Production so budget. you're looking at more for marketing. So like, it's actually legitimately likely that they barely turned a profit. That that's very possible. Because um, I, I, you know, there's no way to tell for sure unless you're looking at their books, but people the the kind of the rule of thumb is double the budget and that's that's the uh marketing cost for the movie exactly. but obviously it differs from movie to movie and that's that's not you know that's not exactly how to figure out like if you're if you have a budget of 10 million you shouldn't spend 10 million on marketing you know what i mean there's no way uh, you will because you probably burnt up all your money anyway yeah but you know so you know it made 200 million dollars Theoretically, which is not a small amount of money. You know what I mean? Like, that's still a lot of money. Right. It didn't, like, multiply its budget in a stupid amount of way, like paranormal activity. But right. it's still, I mean, you know. Can't wait till we turned. talk about those movies. It's, <laughs> it's coming stuff. up. I have yet to see any of those. It's coming up. I just watched Paranormal Activity. You didn't see the, the first one? I haven't seen any of them. It's now. super good. Uh, that's cool. Well, you know, you just need to watch the first one. <laughs> Um, the other ones are, are so good, but <laughs> you have to really be into it. You know what I mean? So just kind of other aspects of tentpole movies, though. Um, I think the other important thing, we've talked, we've talked about accessibility, and I think clarity is a good word to add into that, too. Like, yeah, kind of fitting into the cinematography of it, how everything is very, like, clear. It's obvious. You can see it. The, the everything is lit up so you can see the whole set, all the people, all the faces. I mean, to the point where they had to do the Iron Man mask thing, pop the mask off like every time he's talking. Like clarity and accessibility are probably the two top two adjectives you could use to describe um, like tentpole movies. Also, because and, like and you want to connect it to the merchandise, right? So I want to know what Iron Man's face looks like or what thor's face looks like so that when i buy the toy i can be like cool that's thor you know yeah and uh one thing about the avengers is the aspect ratio of avengers is 1.85 to 1 exactly so it's a taller frame and they were talking about how they did that because they wanted to make sure they could fit all the characters on on the screen so if you have like a super wide thing which most epic kind of movies like this like you know big star epic, wars epics like star wars yeah they're they're like what 2.55 or 2. whatever 2.35 or something like 2. that 2.35 yeah. to 1 so this is way more box like than um than those movies um and they do that because the hulk is fucking tall and you can <laughs> you know see that, with so that. A, you can see it with huge. the shot where they're all standing around loki like they get that shot where all the avengers are in the same shot you know what I mean? Yeah. And in a, in a, you could have, they could have done it in in a, like anamorphic, with that that look or whatever that widescreen look. But like you said, it's easier if it's, you know, kind of you can kind of cram them all in in one, and you have more of the vertical space to kind of do that. Right. Uh, and it, honestly, I think that helps with the the mass appeal of it because, you know, I think a lot of epics, you know, have that two point three five. Uh, aspect ratio but I th- honestly I think the I think it's more familiar to people to have something that's closer to like what a computer screen looks like totally. you know what I mean like what? that would be too boxy for a theater but it, you know it's just like it feels like it's just built for 
people. You know what I mean? I mean like it harkens, normal people. It harkens back to our aspect ratio episode and how we were talking about how some people just get annoyed with the black bar. So like this movie can now be watched on any TV, basically, cell any phone, computer screen, pad. cell phone, yeah. and it's all going to fill the screen no matter what. So it's like, you're, like what you're saying, it's accessible. So from point A to point B, when you know that they're watching it at home, it's accessible. It's never going to have something that's like glaringly annoying, you know, like there's no black and white. There's no weird colors. It's all very straightforward in terms of its mm-hmm. visual look so that... Any kid can watch it, and any adult. Because, like, again, like, their main adult audience are generally not going to be cinephile people, right, for those movies. So they want oh, it to be able to, yeah. like... They're, I, I don't think they're going after cinephiles at, at all. all. I think cinephiles just come. Exactly. Because it's a movie. Right, exactly. So right. why, why would you make a movie for a cinephile? It's, that doesn't make any sense. It's 100% a popcorn movie. Like, when you're at home and you just want to sit down, like you said, it, it's been a long day, let's just family time for a movie well let's watch this one because everyone's gonna like it that's actually interesting too that you brought that up because so i have some friends right that like they they don't make films like us right they're not filmmakers however oh they're they're normies they're they're normies they're normies (laughs) um but but they consider themselves like film like cinephiles right They, they 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 go to they go to the pickford and they see art house films they see independent films they see foreign films right and they in a way they 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 see themselves at a higher level because they don't accept this Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. right? Or they don't. They, yeah, they don't go to yeah, Regal. They're like, like me, movie hipsters, yeah. man. Well, like, and that's a very common thing, right? But then when I'm when when like I I'm having a conversation with them regarding film, they're always surprised that me who watches weird films, foreign films, and do my own films say oh i actually enjoyed you know the last door they're like why and like <laughs> like like how like how, how how dare you how dare you go see that movie byron you know and i was like well fuck like i watched that movie though in a completely different level than most people when they go see that movie like i'm watching that movie and i'm not only entertained just because of the spectacle i'm entertained because i'm like fuck look at that they use an imax camera for that look at that fucking dolly shot look at that like the the art behind it because you're not going to see that type of cinematic art in a film by the Coen brothers because of the budget's different the right you know what i mean like yeah so for mm-hmm. me when i watch these marvel movies for me to be completely honest i'm watching it because the spectacle is something that you are not going to see in a regular budget type film right you're not going to see it in a 50 million dollar movie you're not going to see it in a six million dollar movie it it's completely different the art form or the art is it's similar but it's different because there's so much more um there's so many more wheels going on right mm-hmm. it's like it, it I, it's hard to explain so like it's similar to wanting to watch like metropolis right like why are you watching metropolis well because in terms of history its spectacle was you know, oh, yeah. at a level that no other films were at. So you're watching it. I mean, it's known for that. It's known for being sci-fi spectacle. Right. And that's one of the big reasons why people watch it. And it's why these, that's why blockbusters, you know, blockbusters, its own type of discussion. Cause it, I mean, tentpole can, is a, is a blockbuster, but a blockbuster is not a tentpole. Right. Um, so like, that's why people go to watch it though, because like you want to watch, something blow up on the screen and it's going to be epic it's going to be awesome it's going to be loud it's going to be fast it's going to be 
adrenaline. Essentially, it's kind of a way of getting adrenaline without really doing anything, right? I mean, it's crazy because, like, the three of us, we could remake Metropolis. Yeah. We, it, we could make, we could remake, we could make that. And, you know, it's 80, 90 years after that movie was made. Uh, 80 years from now, people like us, our age, can probably make something similar to The Avengers for very low money. Like, you know what I mean? I, I mean, think, in theory, yeah. in theory, uh, we're kind of, I'm kind of talking in hyperbole here, but it, it's not too far off. One person could make Avengers in theory. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, so it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's just interesting to me to see that. So, you, I mean, the, like the film hipsters, like they're, they're not necessarily even thinking of these blockbuster films as bringing any sort of cinematic art to the, you know, to film. guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> but, but, but they actually, but they actually do they though, do. but they, they actually do, do yeah. in the sense that like, yeah, I mean, you have like, I, I, I just—it's hard to explain, but it's, it's interesting. To it's me. like it's what we were talking yeah. about I earlier, where we something that it's easy for people to, to kind of see it is it, you know if you go see Rogue One, the new Star Wars movie, um, you see the CG character in it, right? And he's entirely CG. He's out in the open. He's interacting with people. He's even you know shaking hands with people. He's interacting with things like, and it's entirely CG, right? Um, Things like that, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the best example because said that some people can see right into it and, and know that it is CG. But a lot of people thought it was real. You know what I mean? Right. And they were surprised to hear that it was CG, that they actually CG'd this character. Because he's in wide open shots. He, there's wide shots. There's even close-ups of him talking. And they have all these micro movements and facial expressions. And um, so, you know, what uh, what art film... What art house film are you going to go see that has that type of technology? And that, that you know, how many hours did they put into that? And there, there's something really artistic about that. And there's something I really appreciate about it. Um, do, I, do I prefer that? No, I, I wish they just had an actor in there. But I can appreciate the fact that they did this. And it, it was, honestly, it's a huge achievement because it is so crazy well, and honestly, what they're doing. Like, honestly, too, like, the fact that I don't know how the budgets get broken down, right? But let's just say that that character in Star Wars, let's say with all the artists, the CGI artists and everything, the actor, everything, it costs, like, $2 million for that character to actually be in the film. That mm -hmm. $2 million spent is a lot of money now. But it's actually going to allow filmmakers years from now to do that same type of art cheap, right? Yes. So, like, yep. because of that film, like, yeah. what what I can do on Adobe um, Premiere and After Effects yeah. was not – you could not do that in the 80s. And that was not well, that yeah, long I mean, ago, if right? If you wanted, like, a title over your movie – you know, if you wanted, like, it, but on screen, so, like, you film something, it would cost, like, $1,000 just to get a title right. on there. And now you could just go film something with your crappy little iPhone mm -hmm. that is costs less than $1,000, and you can just do it online. Right. You can right. you could take a photo and, like, go to, like, a meme generator and just do that shit in an instant. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, to me, when I look at these films, I, I not only, I, I look at it as also furthering technology for film i mean because i mean it's like avatar it's like avatar, avatar i was just gonna yeah just exactly like avatar, you know yeah. it's like avatar okay 
<laughs> back to films that maybe I dislike or hate, right? <laughs> oh, no! Okay. God, I, I, I like hate for Avatar. I like man. Avatar like I like The Avengers. As a film, like, plot-wise... I fucking hate it. It's a fucking ripoff. And, and, and then there's another book. This is a little off topic. <laughs> but how, is it, there have been so many well, Pocahontas stories. I know, which is like fucking bullshit. You know, Dancing with Wolves. <laughs> like, there's a thousand of them. So, like... Okay, there's another one. Forrest <sighs> Gump, okay? I understand. Okay. It's a classic. Everybody likes the movie. The character is, you know, it's he, he, he's it's it's heartwarming, blah, 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 blah. It's a Spielberg movie, or a Robert Zemeckis movie, blah, blah, blah. Okay. As a movie, when I watch it, it's all right. It's an okay movie. But I fucking hate it because it fucking <laughs> took the Oscar from Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction did way more oh. did way more for film. Way more for film. And it got fucking robbed of the Best Picture Oscar. And it should have fucking won. And that's one of the reasons why I hate Forrest oh, Gump. I'm glad we awesome. have this recorded. I've never, I've never heard this from you, Byron. Okay, well, so, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting to know you better at, now. At like, I, I, like, know you. At the same time, I, I, I appreciate the art behind Forrest Gump because it did do things like the whole those heart heartwarming. Yeah, fr- I mean it's not tale. it's not a it's that not feather, the feather digital effect. Yeah, that changed. it's not a it's not a bad movie. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad movie at all, and I appreciate the art behind it. But I'm, personally, for I just I can't believe they robbed Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and just Pulp Fiction and cultural and just I mean it's just it did way more. For film as an art form, than than Boris Gump. That's why we planned the O'Tour series the way we right, did, and right. I'll talk more about that at the end of the episode and and how the next couple of episodes are going to work out. Uh, but yeah, Pulp Fiction is no joke. Like, and there's a there lot is of, a post yeah. and pre Pulp Fiction eras. They both exist. I mean, it, it's like essentially like saying like BC and AD almost. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like. There, there, That's there awesome. existed a point where Pulp Fiction didn't exist, and then the, when it did hit, like so many, so many movies tried to copy it. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's, it's, okay. It's, que- yeah. Question for you guys: This is going, and this is this is going to feed your boners. Um, so, in the in the BC and AD argument, it, it, with Tarantino and Pulp Fiction, which is Jesus and which is God? In 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 the if 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 Pulp Fiction, before Pulp Fiction was before Christ, after Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction was after death. Which one is is Pulp Fiction Jesus, and God is Tarantino, yeah. or is it flipped? Well, that would that would be the more logical analogy. It would be Pulp Fiction would be Jesus, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I mean. I thought there would be more discussion, <laughs> but now that I say it, well, out loud, when you say, I mean, it seems pretty yeah, obvious. If there's a if there's a pre and post Pulp Fiction era, then of course Pulp Fiction is the the is our same, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, huh, but it kind of yeah. But well, kind of what you're talking about though is like what we <laughs> talked about at the beginning, <laughs> where uh, you know. 
God damn it. What the fuck is so funny now? <laughs> it's like you two looked at each other and had this like sexual moment through your eyes and now you're just laughing. <laughs> it was just funny because I think we were both like just thinking of random, something random like somehow. Like at least for me, I was like thinking about like Jesus and, and Tarantino and, and all the images that just conjured You know up Tarantino the, like, thinks of himself as Jesus Christ. You know, the Jesus no, Christ of God. cinema. And then, no, I was actually honestly God. thinking. His movies are a I bunch of little Jesus. Okay, you're going to hate me for saying this. I was thinking of the angel. No! <laughs> wow, you brought it up this well, time. Yeah, this is good. Like, well, I, was, I feel like I'm having an effect. Oh, well, no, it's just funny because, like, the angel, right? And it's on a cross, right? Isn't it on a cross? I don't think so. I think it just has its arms. I don't think it's on a cross. Oh, okay. Well, it's on. It's just. I, I know because I stared at it uh, for like five minutes. I was, I was just. So it's forever ingrained. I was thinking of Jesus and, and Tarantino, and then I thought of the angel, and then I saw it. <laughs> Jacob Lappy. And then I was like, oh, God, should I bring this up or not? And yeah. Well, <laughs> someone has to, I guess, right? <laughs> I was actually watching you the whole time. I, tried to, I was like, Byron's thinking about something. So I was just watching you. Oh, oh man. Uh, in, in, a, in a plutonic way. Yeah, no, I get it. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But if you have ice cream, we can change. Depending oh, <laughs> on the ice cream. Uh, not today. <laughs> not yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Basically, what you're saying though is that like you watch these movies with a different mindset in mind for each movie, and there's a reason why you should like watch a variety of movies, like we said earlier, and a variety of directors. Because especially if you're trying to make movies, you have no reason not to to watch something like the Avengers and understand what the plot is and watching, you know, understanding what the hero's journey plot is and those and stuff like that. So, cause it, yeah. And just the mass appeal of it. Yeah. You know, there's, if you're a filmmaker, I feel like you need to see movies like the Avengers, you know what I mean? Like it, it, even if you just want to do the independent thing, like I, th- I feel like you just got to, you just have to know, well, I mean, I like, like, what is the mass appeal? This podcast you know what I mean? is a good example because, again, like those, a lot of those film hipsters are, are, are like, they don't, it doesn't bring any film to, or it doesn't bring any, um, the, the, these movies don't bring any art to film or whatever. But yet we're we're sitting here having a good conversation about the you know about film the and about the these film. movies you know yeah. um, it, it's interesting because like it's like it's like you go to an art museum and you look at like a Rembrandt or a Van Gogh or whatever right and they're considered masterpieces but then you go down the hall and you see a, a, a an artist or a painting or a, a painting by an artist that maybe isn't a household name but yet it's in that fucking museum right mm-hmm. it's it's still yeah. it's still art it's it may not be as known or it may, it may have been considered you know super um you know controversial at the time but looking back it brought something to further the art of painting right you know? or it's like it's yeah. like going to your local museum versus going to like the moma or the met like, right 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 just because they have dolly's famous paintings or like the starry night painting doesn't mean like you know they have that that's cool that's one aspect that you should be looking at but you should also be going to like your local museum and seeing because like there's art that is like just as good right because you know, you know D- dolly as a little kid probably went to a local thing yeah. and saw and it was influenced to some degree by the local because yeah. like not everybody can just walk to the met or whatever right like so you know like i know as a kid i was influenced by what i saw and what was around me locally right obviously and then when 
I was, you know, privileged to go to something bigger, like a museum in Seattle or whatever it is, you know, then I was, I got a little bit more like, quote, cultured, you know, but it's just like film, you know, I, I, it's just interesting. You have to learn how to do the basic stuff to be able to break it down, right? Right. Like, like if you look at, like, I think Picasso is a good example of this, if you look at his timeline, because when he started to paint, he learned how to do the hyper-realistic stuff. But it wasn't until later on when he knew how to do all that, when he knew the intricacies of paint, all the different elements that go into painting and how to change a painting and how to get a certain look that he started to actually break it down to his, his essentials and got to cubism yeah, and stuff yeah. like that because that, that he knew what he could bend. And, like, Tarantino is kind of an example in that. We, sh- we shouldn't talk about Tarantino too much because we will be here in the next couple of weeks. But, like... Yep. The only reason why he could get away with stuff like Pulp Fiction was because he spent 30 years watching every movie under the sun and and basically stored it in his mind. And then he learned the basics through watching the movies and then realized what he could and couldn't do in terms of breaking rules. Yeah, I think that's interesting um, because I think, like, you got to learn the basic thing, right? But, like, r- the realist realism like painting even that like when that first kind of came about it was like super rad you know what i mean and that was like the new art you know what i mean it was like wow this is cool it's like like photo realistic awesome but you have movies like the avengers that are doing this kind of style where it's like you know it's like an old it's not the new kind of style of filmmaking but it's still like new enough and it's like relevant but it's kind of like a weird mix of a whole bunch of different styles that appeal to a bunch of different people you know what i mean right so it's weird because it's like i almost appreciate it more because of that because it's like trying to um mix all these different types of films that people like and it and it you you can't you have to have a vast knowledge of movies to make this movie you know what i mean you can't just go shoot this you know what i mean like i feel like like soap operas you could just go shoot a soap opera yeah. you know what i mean i feel like you could do that but i don't think you could do that with the avengers like because it's it's not i wouldn't call it basic i i mean it, it feels like it's pulling from like everywhere you know what i mean because it has to appeal to everyone maybe basic <laughs> you know, isn't, you know maybe what I mean? basic isn't the term you need to understand the foundation that's why a lot of yeah, quote unquote yeah. master filmmakers will look back at you know anywhere between the nineteen like nineteen hundred and nineteen thirty as like, and that's why yeah. they call it the golden era because there was like this whole slew of ideas and this set up what we know about film and cinema nowadays. Like we we still use all those techniques that they were doing back in that you know i mean soviet yeah. montage theory is huge i mean that is what editing is nowadays you I, know i think this yeah you need like a good palette i think yeah, yeah to, to pull and from. I th- it's like it's like it's like any good art you know it's like writing you know kermit mccarthy mastered and was very familiar with like traditional american um you know books and, and novels and stuff like that and and then he took what he knew and furthered it and he doesn't um like there's no quotation marks in his books right because he doesn't need to because he's mastered it already and he know like he knows 
how to change things up and make something unique and make it his own and furthers the art Kendrick Lamar you know with uh, with his music you know it's like he mastered the mixtape you know came out with his first album killed it then he came out with To Pimper Butterfly right and just like blew everybody away with how he used samples and his mm-hmm. knowledge allowed him to do that um, with his producers and stuff but not anybody could just I mean anybody could take samples and just and, and rap over it but to have that knowledge behind it differentiates you from like Kendrick Lamar to just somebody that's like putting samples together you know on GarageBand right like it's it's mastering your craft you know uh, just having that strong foundation it's like it's like any art form and I think that's important for film because I think people get too caught up in like being on a high horse or well, you know what I mean like because yeah, I think like, people forget that film like is an art they're not going to go see Transformers because they don't think it's art right you know yeah but I think, but yeah. like people, I mean, it's just like people saying like Fifty Shades of Grey is art. I mean, of course it's art because it's fucking writing. Like, if for some crazy reason, all these books that are being written today somehow gets lost, and the only books that we know of, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years, are the Fifty Shades of Grey books, they're going oh. to be considered art. You know what I mean? Because that's what. That's, oh my god, that would that, be horrible. That's because that's what they have, though. You know what I mean? And, and don't get me wrong, yeah. I am not a fan of those books. I like, I just flipped through the first one, and I mean, the writing was absolutely garbage. But but, but you bought it. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy. It. I was. I did not buy it. Uh, <laughs> I bought the movie. I bought the movie. But I did not buy I the book. I actually kind of liked the movie. The movie wasn't like, bad. Not in a yeah. Weird pervy pervy way. But I like. I I get it. I get. Yeah, I get. No, why I liked. I, people I like didn't it. Mind the, the yeah. movie. I didn't mind. But it. I, I, I like good. all that weird BDSM shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like I like the first Twilight. You know, like I enjoyed it. Like I, I'd watch it again. I've only seen the first one. We should watch Twilight. I only I, did, I never paid for it though, so I, I might have to draw a line somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what we should do is we should watch Twilight and Fifty Shades because of the loose adaptation uh, that was it was involved. It, well, I guess that's more of in the writing of it. It almost be better to watch Harry Potter. But that's kind of a fascinating thing that that happened and it's appealing to the same audience so that's kind of fun i mean we should talk about movies that appeal that try to appeal towards women and see and yeah that'd be interesting talk about how they go about that yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's such a bad idea because we could we could actually no i think it's a good i think it's a good idea but i think that a lot of movies like older movies that are like trying to appeal to women are just what like men think women well that's what like all movies but that's what i like about the first which is a fascinating topic like W- m- m- uh, movies for women designed by but men. Fifty Shades, like that would but Fifty Shades be... of Grey was directed by a woman. See, no, what, what I'm thinking, but of... it was written by a woman, right? And and the novel was written by a woman right too. So that's interesting. But like, it, it throws in a little. I know, but like, what movie isn't directed by a white Jewish guy? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's like all movies. <laughs> <laughs> Steven you know Spielberg, what I mean? it kind of what? is. <laughs> no, I'll, like, I'll, like it'd be interesting because you could. We could do a back-to-back with, like, um, Fifty Shades and, like, Magic Mike, you know? Because Magic Mike was marketed to try and appeal towards that, but even though that movie, like, essentially... Like, the the appeal for women kind of ends with the male physique with that movie, right? Like, it's it's actually a deeper movie than just oh, yeah, trying totally. to be Chippendales or whatever. Um, I, actually, I actually, I like that movie. I no, totally, that yeah. Movie. yeah I haven't really watched, I've been meaning to watch it, but... It's pretty I cool. Just, I mean, like, yeah. the characters are interesting. Like, I want to know more about, like, McConaughey's character, because he, you can tell he's, like, his character's dark, been but you don't really shit, know yeah. a lot about him and stuff. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah, on, yeah. On, the, on, like, the... 
on the dancing and stuff that of course gets the women in the theaters but yet like you said like the story um behind it i don't think would if it didn't have that dancing in it i don't think the girls would be coming right. to the theater exactly. <laughs> and i think when we do that episode we should try and pull in like a female guest to to talk about yeah that'd be sick know. yeah that's a good idea yeah. i like so, i like that we'll try, we'll put it on the list and it'll be you know in the future for sure um yeah so kind of just moving us along here I want to talk about <laughs> <Kind of> topic like <laughs> I want to talk about the second film, which is the Fate of the Furious. Uh, so it's the eighth eighth film in the Fast and Furious franchise. It was made this year, just came out this month, and it was written by Chris Morgan, who's actually done the past like since Tokyo Drift. So it's like the past five movies I think he's written, and this one was directed by F. Gary Gray. Uh, stars Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson, Michelle Rodriguez, Jason Statham, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Natalie Emanuel, Charlize Theron, Kurt Russell, Scott Eastwood, which was weird to have him just randomly show up in this movie, um, and Elsa Pataki, <laughs> among others. Uh, it was produced by Amanda Lewis, Samantha it's Vincent. Editorializing. <laughs> Samantha <laughs> Vincent, Chris Morgan, Vin Diesel, Neil Moritz, Neil Moritz and Michael Fattrell. It was shot by Steven Winden, who's actually been on... He's done most of them, too, as a cinematographer. Um, but, yeah, it was edited by Paul Rubel and Christian Wagner. Uh, music was by Brian Tyler. Production design was by Bill Bercheski, I'm going to say is how that's pronounced. And costumes were by Sanja Milkovic-Hayes. Uh, this is the first film in the franchise to not feature Paul Walker at all. Uh, who's Brian in the movies. Uh, so, basically, I kind of wanted to talk about this one as part of the tentpole discussion because it wasn't initially designed as a tentpole franchise. When it first came out in 2001, it was sort of a surprise hit, which is what spawned the franchise, but when they were initially making it I mean I I don't think they really meant to have any sort of franchise attached to it they kind of left it open ended but that's just sort of a thing that happens in general mm -hmm. um, so and then now it's one of the highest grossing franchises of all time so yeah it wasn't really until like the fourth movie that its true franchise potential was kind of realized by people because the first three were kind of uh they were all different right so the first one is pretty specific and then they drop basically Vin Diesel's character and all that whole side to kind of delve more into like Paul Walker's side and he goes to like Florida or whatever or Arizona <coughs> and then Tokyo Drift obviously removes all those characters, goes to Japan, adds in all new characters. And then it was the fourth film that they tried to combine it all. Um, and they kind of rewrote how Han's character works, worked in the, the Tokyo Drift, kind of what he was doing and why he was there. And they kind of, and then was it, the sixth or seventh when they finally brought back the the dude with the southern accent who was in tokyo drift the main kind of actor so they tried to tie that back into it a little bit more because uh, then they tried they tied in jason statham's character to that as he was the one who was like causing a lot of the destruction so it wasn't until that fourth one where they kind of started to like 
And then they even they changed the characters to fit their franchise growth, right? Like, the biggest, I think, change, obvious change, is Ludacris' character, because in the first one, he's supposed to just... The first movie, the, the original Fast and the Furious, he's, like, part of the 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 people who do, like, the street racing, but he's essentially taking bets. And then, like, in the second one, he kind of becomes, like, a car, like, really knowledgeable about cars and runs a shop. Um, that builds like high end or like high tech race cars or whatever, and then he becomes like a hacker genius savant who's knows about every computer system in the world and every like program in the world, right? And has an obsession with in this one he like wants he loves the tank and like knows how to run this high tech tank, which would probably you know require like extensive specialized training to use right and so they like made his they changed his character to to grow with the franchise and then all the characters kind of became like they all became masters in martial arts and knew how to like attack all these high-tech vehicles and you know they were already pro drivers or whatever but then they kind of like they up up that a little bit so that they were like these like prodigy drivers essentially it's kind of ludicrous but i like it (laughs) (laughs) there you go um so (laughs) man so basically this franchise has kind of become the staple of what action movies are um and combined the films have grossed over 4.4 billion dollars across and total the whole series has cost about a billion to make so they've you know quadrupled their their budgets essentially and a little fun fact here um vin diesel appears in the third movie tokyo drift right at the end in a cameo and he agreed to do that in lieu of pay he got um the rights to the riddick series so that's why he went on to make the more recent riddick movie and whatnot um because universal had those rights i think so just a little little fun fact yeah, cool. of why he showed up there because it was super random that he's even there. It makes no sense in terms of the story. Uh, so if you look at the budgets for the films, they've steadily been increasing as the stars have gotten bigger. They pulled in more stars. Uh, the set pieces have gotten bigger. The the practical effects and the CGI has all gotten more advanced and bigger. Um, and Number eight was the first one to finally break the $200 million mark in terms of its production budget. And I think was actually closer to like 350 when all was said and, said and done. Uh, the, the eighth one? Wasn't the one we watched for this? Wasn't that the eighth one? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so it's likely that the other ones had budgets that exceeded 200 million but this was the first one where i think just the production budget alone was above 200 million um and which is kind of weird to me because i feel like the one right before this actually had a bigger spectacle and would have cost more but you know what do i know um so i also wanted to talk about kind of the evolution of the action hero and I heard this idea that is not originally mine, but I thought was still really interesting and kind of stuck with me. It's how basically action heroes today are superheroes. Like, they are 
interchangeable things that I mean like like when you think of an action hero in say like the eighties, like let's think of Let, let's do Die Hard. I'll just Die Hard, I'll just say Rambo. Um but Die Hard's Rambo. a good example too, where or First Blood, like the first yeah, Rambo. Rambo First Blood, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Where the characters were doing things because of their own ingenuity or uh, because there was, like, some human aspect to what they were doing, right? And, like, you know, Rambo is a good example because he gets bloodied up and he gets messed up. And, and, you know, I think Bruce Willis is the same way where, you know, he has to he's forced to crawl through a, a vent to get to what he wants and he's, he's really got to push himself. And it, you feel this sense of the person you're watching is is a human being and then you and they're like they're going through pain exactly they're going through pain and they're 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 the shit their decisions are affected by exactly you know exactly and that's really what i'm trying to get at is that there's this there's this human aspect because you can see them getting hurt and you can literally see their body going through a change and then you look at like fast and furious and like i think the last the last Number seven had a good example of what I'm trying to get at here. When Vin Diesel is fighting, uh, I think he's fighting Jason Jason Statham or something like on the in the parking garage, and he basically just gets hit multiple times with this huge crescent wrench, and just blocks it with his arm, shrugs it off. There's no bruises, there's no bleeding, there's nothing. He literally is just like, whatever. Now I'm gonna rip this door off and I'm gonna smack you with it. You know what I mean? Like his character is no longer human and none of the character i mean paul walker had scenes where he was fighting against a martial arts you know essentially what you could i mean tony jaw is is kind of i don't know if he's a master but he's up there as someone who legitimately knows martial arts and has done a lot of extensive training and yet here he is going toe-to-toe with him and fighting him and without a scratch you know and he's he number seven the big set piece and big spectacle of that was that he was running up the bus to like jump over the cliff and he got caught by her or she caught him with her tail fin of her car and you know like besides that being physically impossible but like that would like rip your arm off probably and like you'd be bloodied and you'd be hurt and all this stuff right and he went through like 20 people along the bus and got punched up hit smacked whatever and nothing like these characters just don't bleed they don't get cut they don't get hurt and they're just superheroes and like i mean trying i mean I think Transformers, to a degree, is a little bit different where, like, the characters kind of get dirty, but they don't necessarily get bloodied up, you know what I mean? Like, the first one, yeah, I guess they were kind of bloodied up a little bit, but, like, in the newer ones, for sure, like, you're fighting robots, and they're just not hurt, you know what I mean? And, like, like the action heroes of the past, of the way we think, don't exist, and it's basically just the superhero now. So I don't know, like... I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that, but I thought that was an interesting idea, and and I think Fast and Furious kind of really alludes to that more than most movies. But I, I honestly I don't think the tip the action hero exists anymore. I think it's just superheroes. I think we've just moved into the superhero era of of movies. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. You know, because you have like John Wick, right? Who that 
that whole series is kind of based on the fact that here's a guy that we initially think of as a super or as a action hero right because he's just a human and he's out for revenge and he's 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 going he's going against these bad guys for a very human reason Mm -hmm. and then the filmmakers kind of you know decide to have him just be so fucked up and so beat up yet because of his drive Mm -hmm. he's able to to continue um his beatdowns right um john wick's interesting because he's not quite at the level of like fast and the furious stuff where like because you see him fucked up like you see him exactly like bloody you see him bruised however he looks at his knuckles i think at one point when you can see it like the skin is scraped off and it's just all bruised and nasty yeah like however he's still doing these crazy things that you know really isn't humanly possible which is interesting and i think the reason why he they have to that his character is doing these crazy things is that again marketing and 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 like how are you going to have an action hero do these things when you can see other people do crazier and more cinematic things in like you know the big marvel movies Mm -hmm. or superhero movies right so i think that's a part of it i think um I think that's like, a good example, though, because that is what I'm trying to get at with, like, an action hero. He's not a superhero. Right. You right. can tell. Which I, I I like the action heroes more because I like the fact that they are constrained or they're, they're, the mm-hmm. stakes are higher. So, like, for example, a film that I'm thinking of, um, it's not an action movie. It's like a thriller drama, but it's called Blue Ruin. And the character yep. of yeah. that film yeah. is so not up for what he has to do he is basically he's out for revenge and he has to he wants to kill this guy um for because he killed i think his parents or something so because he's so not like trained or really able to actually pull this thing off the stakes are automatically higher so when you have an action hero He's just, when you know he's just a human, the stakes are automatically higher because you're like, oh, man, is he able to do this? Yep. Whereas when Thor, it's like, well, fuck, he's Thor. He can do whatever, right? He can do this. He can do that. So the stakes are different because instead of just him, it has to be the world mm-hmm. or it has to be. And that's why a lot of these superhero films are the same. And I also like the ones that push that back. They go back and, and they try and make it more um, human or whatever, like Logan. They try and make it because um, he's older, so he's not as, you know, he can't regenerate his health and stuff as fast as he used to, which I like that. Um, but I still, I don't know how where I'm going with this, but... I mean, it's like what, what, what you're saying with the stakes, too. It's like, you know in a tentpole franchise movie, you're not going to get a... Okay, let me rephrase that. You are 95% likely or 99% likely to not have a character die, and that automatically makes the fate of the world is at stake and this character is on the brink of death he's not going to die because they need the next movie and you know Iron Man is not going to die you know Captain America is not going to die you know in this movie when I saw Jason Statham die I was like nah no exactly (laughs) you know it was like immediately I was like they're that they didn't didn't even kill off Charlize Theron she got away. Yeah. yeah so that she's yeah. going to make an appearance. Exactly. Again. She'll yeah, exactly. She'll come back. But I think what's so interesting is like 
it's almost like shot in a way that it is obvious that like they don't hang on it right, you know what i yeah. mean and i feel like when when you're killing off a big character in, in these big movies you really hold on it and it's this tragic moment you know what i mean um but when you don't do that you can you know you know it's gonna i think everyone in the audience knows that they're gonna be coming I actually back, also you know? at this point i don't buy it when they hold on to it either because some when, when they hold on to it, when they hold on to like a death scene or whatever, oh, I yeah. still don't buy yeah, it. Yeah, because even that could be a right, trick. Right, right. Yeah. Most of the time, it's yeah. always just a trick, and that's why. Yeah, yeah. Lord, Lord of the Rings, classic <laughs> Gandalf. You know what I mean? Just, they totally hang on it, and it's like this is—they're really hanging on this. <laughs> Which I enjoy. I enjoyed that movie, but I didn't. I knew Gandalf was was coming back. Like I was like, there's no yeah. way he's dead. You know what I mean? And that's the problem I think with tentpole movies is that the stakes. I mean, they can say the stakes as high as uh, and make them as high as they want. Like, wow, they shot a nuke at New York. Wow, we got to get it through the hole, otherwise it's going to destroy New York. They're going to get it through the hole and save New York because they need New York there. They need all the characters there to make the next fucking movie. I mean, that's <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? Like, you're just not gonna. And that's why the. Uh, okay, spoil. I'm gonna spoil something here, and this might be a, a more. Cause it's a more modern it? movie, but I'm gonna spoil this. So if you don't, it's it's for uh, Batman versus Superman. So I'm, I'm gonna oh, spoil okay. this. So if you don't want to hear I, it, I feel then like skip ahead. Anyone who wanted to watch that movie has already seen it. Well, okay, you know right. I mean? But I, or just they're fair just not warning, interested. It's gonna, you know, yeah. But that's fair. Killing off Superman. And then not showing him in any of the advertisements for Justice League. Everyone Superman's knows. gonna fucking be in Justice League. He's <laughs> literally is Justice if you look League. at it's any artwork a, so, for Justice League, he's the front. He is the point <laughs> to the V that they make he's for the, the characters. Cap- it's like it, that's like starting the Avengers without exactly. Captain America. Exactly. Like so, it's just like like everyone knows exactly. So what was there's almost no point to actually implying that he died you know what i mean i because thought they actually knowing. killed the actor actually killed henry cavill <laughs> it's because you were hoping for another because <laughs> no, i want him to come back for I'm just kidding i think he's lovely they, they should kill him off so he can have more time to do the man from uncle because that character oh, yeah, was yeah, awesome yeah. i know because they're doing a second I I, are so, they, they better so. that was pretty yeah. that was pretty cool they announced he in that movie Sweet. he was slick so i'm down for that i like uh, anything with alicia vikander in it though so <laughs> but see that's what i'm saying though is like the the Avengers just had no stakes to it because you know, and the and Fast and Furious is the same way. There's no stakes to it because you know they need them to come back. Period. Yeah, I mean, it. if you Google like Marvel movies, you can see like, okay, Iron Man three is coming out after the Avengers. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so immediately, like when all, Tony yeah. Stark goes up into the black void. You're like, well, he's got to come back. But it's back. still, it's a little and different with what you're saying, though, because those movies don't necessarily tie into Avengers either. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like I, Iron Man three does. Well, Iron Man three, he's like, that's like what the movie's about. Because it he's came, like has P- PTSD, right? Because it came after. But what I'm saying is like, like <clears throat> what Captain America did didn't necessarily tie into what in the Avengers. Like they don't imply that the history of the other movies became. How do I say? How do I say this right? They choose certain things and they don't choose certain they, things. They, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They introduce yeah. the characters yeah. in the other movie, but they use storylines that don't necessarily 
come into the Avengers. Right. Themselves. There's like some subtle hints yeah. here and there, right, but exactly. it's not yeah, overtly. They, yeah, you could still kind of right. watch it. But I feel like Avengers, I think you could still just watch Avengers by itself. Yeah. I don't think you really need the context to like get Well, it. that was the you point I mean? of why they spent an hour introducing all the characters you know, it, yeah. that's why it's two and a half hours because they spent an hour getting all the characters introduced so that you could watch it without having seen any other. Because I, I, I don't think my girlfriend's seen any of the other superhero movies, and she was, you know, like if they didn't do that, then she probably wouldn't have gotten, you know, all, any of what who they are. You know what I mean? So it, it right. makes sense, and that's sort of the issue with tent poles and where Marvel kind of you can tell that they had a plan but it wasn't all the way set is that I mean they my opinion they should have used each movie to introduce the characters and when the Avengers came around they should have just jumped into it and not spent the time introducing it like set up the tent poles and then let the big movie just play out you know what I mean I, I feel like the I mean the big movie is the temple right like Avengers is the temple and they're they're building up to it um as like a sequel to all these movies so like say you only went and saw iron man you could go straight into the avengers after just watching iron man yeah or i guess after they were setting up as Thor the temple or hulk you know what i mean like it's almost like a sequel to like four like the four movies that came out prior yeah, and then like you know the latest mean? you know uh captain america civil war was like bigger than the avengers you know what yeah. I mean? There's like more, yeah, there's like more characters in Captain America Civil War than there yeah. were in just the first Avengers film. Maybe even the second one, you know? Yeah. Um, and Winter, Winter Soldier was like that, too, where, like, they pulled, they, you know, they had Hawkeye yeah. and they had Black but Widow it, and a couple other works, characters in it, It too. makes sense because now it's setting up for Infinity Wars with, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Guardians of the Galaxy. characters, too. So it's yeah. going to be yeah. even no, bigger, so cool. you know, which is I crazy. guess I guess yeah. a better analogy would be that those those. Uh, like the Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, those movies, those movie series are more like stakes that you use to hold the tent, to right. keep the tent taut. You know what I There's mean? There's a lot of layering. Right. Yeah. Where, where yeah, Avengers... They're, they're just building up to like, you know, they're they're just winding right. up. Yeah. Where know, Avengers they're, they're is the tent up. pole, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, Which is kind of... Which is why I think I also like those movies because, because I, I like the fact that it's the first series where you can watch like you know nine films and they're all they're all interlocked with each other to some degree and they're all the same characters they're all the same actors for the most part cuz like you got you got mm-hmm. James Bond right huge huge franchise however there's different bonds you know there's different there's yeah. different incarnations of Q or whatever right and and they're but they're not really related some of them are but Dr. No, that, he, you know, he, his, Sean Connery's character in Dr. No is not the same character as the Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig ones, yeah. right? Or Pierce Brosnan. Right. Yeah, so, like, so it's different. I can't, you can't really compare it because the universe isn't necessarily the same. So, I mean, it, it is, but it's not. I, I, it's weird. But with these films, what I like is that I, it's like a TV show, you know? You can, you can dive yourself in and get kind of immersed in the, like, you know, should I say, like, lore 
that the Disney Marvel films are putting together. Um, which That's I, why the movie like. has more of a TV look than a cinematic look. Because it is like it is like a series. I mean, you know, it's like look a, at all the TV shows that they're doing to, that they'll eventually tie into it. I'm sure Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage. Like, well, yeah, they're doing the Defenders with with them. So that's like its own. But thing. I'm sure it'll all eventually tie into something, you know. Yeah, later know. on. They might, because uh, Samuel L. Jackson makes an appearance in Agents of Shield, Agents right? Agents of Shield, yeah. So, he is like, Nick Fury now. There's definitely right. some overlap. I mean, it, which I like. I like that because it gives the fans, whether they like the show or the movies, it gives the fans some things to, to, to you know, more stuff to talk about, more stuff to, to dive in and, and just have discussions like this, you know, whether, yeah, because I don't know if all of us are like super, super, super into Marvel. I mean, I like I like the films and I've read some of the comic books, but I'm not I would not consider myself like a Marvel or a, like a comic book um uh, aficionado because there are people out there that are way, way, way more knowledgeable, know, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kevin Feige, man, that guy is just <laughs> so, you know, I, hella knowledgeable. Which is really cool. So, like, for this, like, podcast, like, I don't want to say, I, I'm purely looking at these on, like, a film level. I'm not looking at it as a, you know, a huge, huge fan of the series. I'm not, not a fan. I'm just not knowledgeable you know with with yeah with all the, i'm 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 right there with you because like you know i love batman but really i like batman because of the tim burton movies and the chris nolan movies you know what i mean but i don't really know like much about batman beyond that you know what i mean like i maybe watch batman the animated show but i'm not like looking back at stuff and same with marvel like i i couldn't even name the marvel like comic book guys you know like who was in marvel versus dc but now i can't because like i've seen all i've seen every marvel movie um because i you know they're just fun to go to but i'm not like that i mean i'm more religious than other people but i go to see like every movie you know what i mean so like of course i'm going to the marvel movies because there were some of the yeah there's some of the biggest ones on the market you know right now i mean like the yeah they're huge you know i I honestly can't really think of a series that's that that are bigger than the Marvel films. Yeah. I mean, Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're, it's up there for sure. But like, you don't see Fast yeah. and the Furious action figures, you know, with like, with, but like Marvel, you know, you see action figures, you see party sets, Star Wars you see Legos. Is the only other yeah, one Star Wars bigger. and Marvel. Wars, I mean, yeah. those but are the they two. They're owned by the same company now. Yeah. So. And Pirates. Like, you see, you see Pirates toys. That's true. You know That's what I mean? True. Like the Captain Jack Sparrow yeah. action. Like, I Pirates like, had a ride like, for way longer than the movies, too. Right. That is yeah. true, yeah. Because yeah, it, they made it off of the yeah. Ride. Um, yeah. But so, but hey, I going back to your what you were saying about people being superheroes. I think it's interesting that a movie like this, like a car movie, um, has characters that that are like this because they don't. One of the things that they do in Marvel is they they find a way to justify their powers somehow, but they don't really do that here, and I think that's kind of fascinating it's almost like the car uh, driving stuff i guess yeah yeah like yeah the only thing is like they're really good car drivers but even how they drive their cars is almost like a superpower (laughs) you know because it's kind of so like like i want okay so i'm just gonna be real i i watched the first fast and the furious and i thought it was awesome but i never watched any of the other ones until i watched this one so i'm like I saw the first one and this one, and that's it. And when I watched this, I was like, this is 
the most absurd thing. Like, this is the most absurd movie, like, ever. Because they, cause they don't justify how... Really anything, it al- and it's and not in a bad way. It, you know it, what I mean? Like they almost insult your intelligence, right? Which it, it, for almost. Which for me yeah. is it's almost like I know that that can't right. happen, but I'm I still like that it's which happening. Which is so you know what I mean? So interesting because at filmgoers are getting more and more picky on 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 that. So like when it comes to films like Inception, right? The reason why that film was so successful is it was so different and it didn't insult your intelligence, whereas. I kind of don't understand how these films are so big um, when they do insult your intelligence. But then it boils down to the fact that there's eight movies or seven movies previous to this one of character buildup. So when Michelle Michelle Rodriguez and and, uh, Vin Diesel's characters are split apart, it's like people are like invested. They're invested in these characters, which... No, I I felt that investment even though I had no idea that that was a thing. (laughs) Because I remember both those characters and I was like, oh yeah, they're just partners. But then it was like, there's that scene where like you... I know you love me. You right. know what I mean? I was like, oh, they have a history. That's kind of cool. Now I want to watch the well, other it's ones. funny because, you know like, I mean? in, as you watch all the films, you know, as they were made, each film does kind of – each one picks it up. Like, the, each one tries to outdo the ne- the previous. Ups its own ante. Know? So yeah. it's, it's to the point right. where, like – I can't imagine, dude, what you would what you would have thought when you watched this last one because it's <laughs> so different from the first one. Whereas it's, Keith and I have is, seen you know, all, all the, all the yeah. ones, the, the slow progression, you know, and some of them have more right. of a progression than others. So like the first and the second are closer together than like totally. the fifth and the first, you know, totally. <laughs> like, or the even the fifth. That's and what I'm the, saying. There's like a, a, an obvious jump because like the third one is way is nothing is different is like. That's it's yeah, because like that was it. Tokyo Drift, yeah. right? That was like and then so the furthest removed exactly from this of the series. exactly, yeah. and then it was four that like really it became uh oh what did they call that one? It wasn't it was Fast and Furious, yeah, yeah. So they were calling back to the first one, and then they went to Fast Five. I actually then, really like Fast Five. Yeah. Fast Five might be my favorite one. I've heard, yeah, I've heard opinion where f- they can Fast Five is kind of considered like one of the better in the series. I mean, you can never top number one, but you know that it, it's number one. So what one thing about one is like it feels like it's grounded in realism. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Yeah, totally. It, it it feels like they're trying they're going for realistic, but then in this movie it's like clear that they're just going for like whatever looks the coolest or whatever um, whatever gets you there. You know what I mean? Like what you, you know, like seeing all the cars like fly out of the parking structure was like cool to see. You know what I mean? It's like wow, this is fucking sick like look at all these cars and then and then all the cars are like they're doing like the self-driving zombie cars in there. at the same time it's zombie cars it was world war <laughs> car time, I did. Dude, world i'm war so glad z you caught car. onto that because i was like wow this is world war z with cars right. it's world war z with cars <laughs> it was but, totally like whoa this is so cool and i almost like i've never been a car guy but you know i was like man i could get into cars like after watching this movie it's like wow cars are pretty cool you know what i mean like, it's weird like when i but the whole sequence i was like that looks kind of cool visually at the same time i couldn't go i couldn't understand why she was able to control all those cars but not the cars that carried the russian like 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 they, right? So, like, you could just turn off the limo. Well, yeah, that and the cop cars that are helping. That I was like, why can't 
dude. If we start pointing out plot holes, but that's what man. I mean. Like, that, but that's <laughs> yeah. that's the type of shit in these movies that that's what frustrates me. Right? Why couldn't Vin Diesel yeah. just tell him I, what I he was doing? I thought that about is yeah. the the EMP scene where oh like he's God. doing the EMP, and I was like, he didn't knock out his Wait, own car. How is how is his car <laughs> exactly. still functioning? And how come the submarine just turns back on? <laughs> exactly. yeah. And how come like you know it was like. But like it doesn't matter because because no. the movie itself is so absurd right. that it doesn't it's not grounded you know it's kind of like it goes back to our talk about uh, Judge Dredd we you know when we're talking about the the new one with the visual effects like how it's you know it's in that extreme slow mo and there's v- obvious visual effects but it kind of it works because it's in this crazy world that you wouldn't expect I think this movie is grounded in an absurdist reality and i think that is what makes it so cool like it's it's not a it's i i honestly i i wouldn't even call it superheroes i would just call it absurd like uh, it's it's um because the things that are happening are convenient to the plot of the movie and it's to maximize the you know the amount of cool that's in it you know what i mean so if if he EMP'd it and his car just dies, like that totally kills the momentum of the movie. This movie's about momentum and, and keeping the audience engaged and pushing on to the next thing as fast as possible. Um, and that's you you get absurd things. I with mean, that. it's, that's but that is what the movie. Kind is. Of a, I think that's why people like it. Kind of a description of like movies in general, though, because like I mean, think about how many horror movies wouldn't get made if you just had a cell phone in the movie you know like it's a yeah. lot of really easily explainable things that just don't right. happen because well it's a movie like if you know? only the character had service like yeah. you know how many movies they like pull out their phone and they have no service exactly that's like in every movie so, ever like well, here's a question i don't know if this is a good question or not but like so let's just say if iron man had never been made and the marvel films do not had not existed uh do you think there would be films like Fast and the Furious, or like I mean, not uh, not Fast and the Furious, but Fate of Fate of the Furious, uh, in the no. sense that y- yes, well, it wouldn't be what we saw, right? Because like, would it be? They would. It would. Pro- it might be more like the original, right? I got to think of when four came out. When four came I, out, I, did, I would. I would say was oh, it around when Marvel started doing their? Well, let's see. So four was like I, Iron Man came out what two thousand seven. Oh, so it was, um, it was way after. Because there was a big break between Tokyo Drift and... 2008. So 2008. So when was... So... Look up uh, Fast and Furious, the fourth one, real quick. I think it was like 2011. I want to say 2011. Are you talking about the 1939 films? Yes. <laughs> uh, 2009. Oh, okay, so... so right after, yeah. So it was like right after. So, so like, it, I, yeah, think, I think maybe it's they were close. trying to compete, like... They totally you know what are. I mean? Because it's it's so that's kind of an interesting thing. Like that's what I find most interesting when Keith brought up the fact, you know, the action heroes versus superheroes. Because I think there's a correlation with not so much what viewers are wanting, it's what the studios are thinking we want. Or I don't know how it's to like explain this. that. It's what we talked no, about. You're right. It's it's chasing. Yeah. Right. It's chasing. It's like yeah. okay, Marvel. Or Disney, Disney made a billion dollars off of a movie, uh, Pirates or whatever. Pick a movie. Everyone, any, any of them, yeah, movies. any everyone yeah. is going to chase the formula to make a billion dollars because it's a billion dollars. 
So they're going to change yeah. and alter. That's why we have these ups and downs of movie eras because, like, in the 80s, action was huge. So you had a ton of this certain style of action movie come out. In the 90s, you saw, like, kind of more gangster stuff, uh, Pulp Fiction and the movies that followed Pulp Fiction because everyone was trying to ride the coattails and make the money off of that. You know, like, it's just that's the nature of art i think in general you know it's it's a reflection of the time but it's also this attempt at trying to make money because you are a business you know and I, yeah we we talked about this with uh yo jimbo on how even like the the art of it was is still like you know you, you see they had like the the unofficial remake of yo jimbo which was the you know the do- uh, fistful of dollars fistful of dollars yeah yeah um so, you know, it's every, I think everyone just kind of shares things, you yeah. know, and I think that's just like how it works. Like you, you just, you, you all, will always take things from other movies and, and make your own movie out of it. Uh, and I think that's a good question. Which is interesting. I think that's a good question. Cause I, the, I mean, I think going from like fast five to this one, I don't think we would have seen these types of movies at all had it not been for the explosion of the superhero and that's what i'm saying we exist in a superhero era where like i mean take your pick of action adventure whatever action sci-fi i mean look at valerian i think is moving along the same lines as superheroes essentially you know like yeah it's like superhero ya exactly stuff like you know, ender's game was kind of along those lines too what's a little different about valerian though is that it's based on comic books that were made way before a I lot know. of this stuff it was like you know what i mean that was like what's uh, star wars was like pulled from valerian right, right, you know right. what i mean so yeah. that's so crazy. it's interesting but the way it's presented is going to be more modern of course you know, so. it's going to follow the yeah. formula because it looks like mass effect right you know yeah. what i mean so like it's it's kind of pulling from that kind of stuff. Like Mass, Mass Effect, Effect probably borrowed it from the comic oh, books. Yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So, but like in in turn, like they're pulling it back from right. that like cyclical you know what I mean? influence so like, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, and again, with Yojimbo is the same way, where it was influenced and then was influential in what it did. You know, but yeah, I mean, just the whole slew of, I mean, action sci-fi. You don't even, uh, you know, Arrival was kind of the. F- more recent um, different movie to come out that was not action based and was you know like action sci-fi is huge action adventure action whatever action is huge superheroes are huge right now I mean even the Star Wars characters are kind of becoming superhero like you know like trying to build those and have those be the tent poles too like I think Ray is kind of being designed sort of as a superhero savior essentially you know like i, I mean but so was like luke and right shit, you know no, what I mean? totally and that was yeah that and obi-wan on my list because I, I i created the sort of like a quick history of things and that was part on my list too is like in the 70s as part of the action evolution star wars was in there as like a big action sci-fi opera whatever you know like essentially um so like it's not new necessarily but it's never been this extreme where every movie is trying to be have their characters be so heroic and uh, you know the the times when this generally pops up actually is 
post-war or during war when, you know, I mean, you go into conspiracy is about propaganda and, and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is generally, like, in war times or times of misery is when superheroes tend to rise because we want that more extreme escapism and we want to know that there's some positivity or something that can save the world and, like, it kind of alludes to us being able to save the world and fight the bad guy and all this stuff too, right? So, like, right. you can kind of see it if you track, you know, uh, global history and movie history. They kind of coalesce, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you just look up, like, French New Wave and how that came about, mm -hmm. that w was kind of because Nazis took over. And they started making, like, really escapist movies, and filmmakers pushed back and said, no, we're making art. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because they, did, they, didn't, they didn't think they that. They were tired of the same the, stuff going, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, of the commercialized, like, yeah. So then they were like, all right, we're going to start this. They, they didn't say, we're going to start the French New Wave movement. But, you know, they, they started, like, this thing, and they all started making movies, and we ended up calling it the French New Wave movement. Um, so, you know, people who, like, filmmakers who push back on this stuff sometimes make a really good name for themselves you know what yeah. i mean and so when you kind of do something different like denny how do you say it? denny villanueva denny denny Villeneuve, i think they god Ve denny, i'm never gonna get it right yeah. denny vanilla 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 ice um <laughs> Dennis Vanilla Ice. Uh, Dennis Vanilla Ice. <laughs> uh, when he decided to make his, like, anthropological sci-fi movie about language, um, like, what other, you know, like, almost like how, like, in old Star Trek, how it's like some of those episodes are very anthropological. You know what I mean? Um so, you know, when he goes and makes that, it's suddenly he's like, oh, this guy's, like, pushing back on, like, he's doing something different. And really, he's not. He's he's just taking from something that isn't popular at the time. You know what I mean? Because right now, what's popular is, you know, Avengers, Fast and Furious, like, these superhero things. But he's making a name for himself by doing the exact opposite. And... I, you know, that's why you got to go see Avengers if you want to be a filmmaker, because if you want a name for yourself, you know, what's a, that's a way to do it. I was just thinking, you know, a series that I think is actually really good that I think a lot of people don't really haven't really talked about or I don't hear it like mentioning is uh, Planet of the Apes, the new ones. <laughs> Oh my god! I, 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 I will talk Planet of the Apes all I, day. I, I'm I don't I'm surprised people don't talk I, about it. That's honestly my guilty pleasure like franchise right now. Or not guilty pleasure. That's my favorite franchise. I, I, the, the first and second, the, these the last two films. I mean, they were actually really well done. And there's a you can tell there's it's there's a lot of thought behind it. And I really love the imagery, you know. And I can't wait for this next one. This next one looks Dude, awesome. You, there's some, yeah, like, you guys saw the trailer in front of this yeah, movie, right? But, yeah. I, mean, I saw oh, the trailer God. before, but yeah, I mean, so I was exciting. like, oh, sweet, I get to see it again. Um, but like the, there's a lot, of, you know, Apocalypse Now is referenced in the film. You can tell a lot of the images and stuff, and I was like, oh man, this looks, this looks dope. Like I, but it's a, it's a, it's a trilogy though, or a series that isn't quite like the others though. It doesn't. It's no. not. It doesn't seem. And I think it's. And I think all the two that have come out, I think, have done pretty well at the box office. But yet, I don't mm -hmm. hear people talking about them. No, and you know why? 
it's because it's good CG. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> People love talking how crappy CG it is. You know what I mean? It's like part of the conversation. But when, when you have a movie that has amazing computer graphics and amazing like motion capture yeah. work, like it's seriously stunning. Like how they're able to kind of create these things. You know, that's not really interesting to talk about. And it's kind of a ballsy thing to talk about to people like, oh, yeah, I saw this really good CG movie. Like, yeah, yeah. who says that? No <laughs> one says that. But that's what Planet of the Apes is. Well, it's funny. And it's huge. I was, it's a huge movie. I, it wasn't this Fate of the Fears. It was some other film. And they, sh- they showed the the trailer to um, the new Planet of the Apes. And there was this couple behind me. And they laughed when they first saw the apes, like, talking. And they, they were just, yeah. I could tell that they were they were not familiar with the last two films. And they were no. just like, like, this looks ridiculous. But then it got all serious and, like, dark, right? And, like, and then I, they they were like, oh, oh. Like, they were oh, not, like, God. and I was like, that's <laughs> fucking epic. Like, they, oh, that's so they, cool. they initially thought that it Sign was going to be trailer. some, like, you know, some, like, talking monkey thing. And then it just got all crazy. <laughs> and they were just like, Man. I think at the end they were like, oh, fuck. Like, that was oh, not man. what I was expecting. I'm like, that is awesome. It's like that. Sh- Those movies are powerful, like that man. shot of that the little girl and like her whole face is covered except for her eyeball. Like, and she's like clinging to the back of the monkey on the horse or ape, I guess, on the yep. horse. And the and she's yep. like looking at the other one. I'm like, the way that was sh- shot and stuff is so cool. And then it's in, in the way it's done in the trailer. And I can just tell the people were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. That's awesome. I wish I was in yeah, that no, theater because I, I would love <laughs> to just hear people like you know how like when when M Night Shyamalan's name comes up on the big screen, everyone everyone kind of rolls their eyes. Yeah, everyone's like, like oh, roll their God. eyes or like another one. <laughs> whatever, <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> like I want to see that, but like then have get people sucked right, in right. with the power of of video yeah. <laughs> and, and good sound because you know. Some people, if if you can make a trailer where people doubt it at the beginning and there's a turn right at the right. end, you're doing your yeah, job. For sure. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> you're doing a good job. So fucking awesome. Love hearing that. Whoa. See, we're at two and a half hours. Um, kind of moving us on just a little bit. I kind of just want to do this quick overview of the action genre just because I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode. Um, so I'll try and burn through it here really quickly. Um, basically, action. It, most people think that it started back in the early 1900s with the Great Train Robbery, is kind of considered like the first action film. Um, but in general, it's kind of been around in just about every genre since forever, um, since filmmaking started. Uh, it initially kind of took the form of like swashbuckling of adventure films throughout the 20s and 30s um, and like Ro- Robin Hood exactly exactly so swashbuckling is like swords and stuff like that um, not necessarily fantasy but and not necessarily like pirates but Errol Flynn like, exactly yeah, Errol Douglas Flynn. Fairbanks like British yeah. British uh, heroes kind exactly of, you know what I mean exactly yeah. um, so the 40s and 50s brought uh, change where it shifted kind of more towards war and westerns as the main form of action film. Also, I would say around this time, uh, action was really big, like in Asian countries as well. Like, obviously, Kurosawa's films, samurai films, are action films. Um, so, you know, you'll see this kind of with the likes of John Ford um, and 
Hitchcock to a degree as well. Uh, North by Northwest is kind of cited as one that's a little more action-y, especially with, like, the end scene and the, the crop plane and everything like that. Um, so that's kind of where it started to do a, another shift, started to happen kind of in the 50s. Uh, the 60s saw the introduction of James Bond into the mainstream and that style of action hero, suave, uh, good with cars, good with guns, good with women, drinking, um, just the man's man action hero, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, the savior of the woman as well. Um, and sex appeal, I think, is, the, is uh, the big thing to come off of that, too. And then the 70s is where it really took off. Um, you get a lot of, like, gritty cop, cop films, uh, such as, like, Eastwood films, Dirty Harry, stuff like that. Uh, martial arts films were becoming more prevalent in America. Bruce Lee really brought that. Sonny Chiba. Uh, Bruce Lee, though, for sure opened up the the quote-unquote orient to americans um but yeah basically brought like you know those types of films to america uh you also got adventure films like with spielberg and lucas jaws um star wars uh, well raiders was 80 but uh 81 but essentially like you know their first kind of foray was sort of pushing it um, this is also where you kind of saw a bigger increase in budgets for action movies because they were selling so well. So more money was being pumped into it. Bigger stars were getting attached to it, stuff like that. Um, the 80s really took off, uh, really pushed it even further. This is where you got household names like Van Damme, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Bronson, Willis, and Gibson. Uh, like we talked about, Die Hard, Rambo, um, Terminator... Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, exactly. Raiders of the Lost Ark. So even Harrison Ford um, as an action star is all comes in. Uh, the 90s, again, pushing even further. This is where you really saw a bigger increase in budgets. CGI was coming into it, uh, which all helped to try and up the ante of the spectacle because the 80s kind of pushed it towards, like, explosions, um, set pieces, stuff like that. So they were trying to up their own ante. So this is where, yeah, you see CGI. And then the 90s also saw growth in sequels. Uh, So the idea of sequel films kind of became more of a thing. Uh, It also was sort of where, like, 89, I think, was Tim Burton's Batman. Um, And so the 90s kind of, uh, you saw a a more of a rise in superhero movies. And obviously... um, Joel Schumacher's Batman, eventually Christopher Nolan's Batman came into the picture, stuff like that. Uh, Superman, I think, was even in there. 2000s to the 2010s kind of brought us, like we just talked about, the tentpole films, and um, kind of what I would call, this is more of a personal thing, but sort of fits in, uh, the subjugation of genre towards action. By this, I mean, like, you don't get a lot of, like, philosophical sci-fi anymore. It's all action sci-fi, action adventure, action comedy. Everything's kind of got to have action attached to it. We want to see fast-paced editing, explosions, fun, high energy, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's see. And also, kind of, we're kind of circling back around now, too, where nostalgia is coming, becoming big in action again. You know, stuff like The Expendables, where we're referencing kind of the classic, quote-unquote, classic 80s and 90s action. 
this is generally because filmmakers audience audiences that grew up in the 80s and 90s are now becoming of age to where they are making these movies um, and they're trusted with bigger budgets to make these movies uh, so basically action started when film started and has made its way into every genre that exists I mean name one that that you can't pair action with I can't think of one off the top of my head um, so yeah nowadays action, action is centered around huge set pieces fast cutting and CGI essentially to fill in all of the work not to say that that people don't get out and actually do effects but essentially like you know where you might have one explosion that's practical the rest of it will all be CG you know what I mean it'll, it'll all be some sort of composite you know Mad Max I think is a great example of this where they, they did a lot of it practically they shot in the desert um, they actually blew up cars they flipped cars but then they went in and added way more explosions they added all of the exterior rocks around the cars um, just, just little stuff like that you know uh, action stars yeah. don't do a lot of their own stunts it's all CG'd people you know stuff like that so I, I think uh, one thing that's kind of you know action movies nowadays people are like oh it's just CG but really it's kind of feels like action movies are kind of backed into a corner of only using CG nowadays because yeah. like how else do you up the ante and you know what I mean but you know you have movies like John Wick that come out where it's like they're up in the ante in a court like with their choreography like with their fight choreography yeah, exactly. um, so they're kind of doing it in a different sense but it, it feels like a lot of movies nowadays think the only way to like up the ante is by doing either better CG you know or doing something stupid insane uh, which is not stupid in a bad way but like you know something absurd like in Fast and Furious with with the you know the, the zombie cars which is still done CG going on. which is which is done yeah. CG so it, it seems like a, and since CG is still a technology that's still like being perfected and trying to figure out like what's going on there's so many like new things that come out in the world of visual effects that it's it seems like all right let's just get the next thing that's that's in there you know what i mean and that's why rogue one has their character thing like they built this whole new technology just to put this actor in there and even even um the avengers like they went and shot a around all of new york in order to build a fake New York in the movie. So, like, they went and shot, like, buildings and everything and just, like, mapped the entire thing out. And so during a lot of those, set, like, set pieces, they have, like, a fake New York. And they even go as far as to uh, going into each window. And um, I remember I was watching this behind-the-scenes thing. And, like, the the guys who did the visual effects, they would film themselves in a room just doing random things and so if you look closely enough you can see like the same sometimes like the same person is in like each of the windows in some of the buildings but they're doing something different but it's the same guy if you look <laughs> close funny. enough and sometimes they were t saying like it gets they they shrink it down so far that sometimes you can't even tell but they still do it because they think like as long as it's one punch beyond the what the pixels are then it'll be real yeah. you know what i mean because if if it's too zoomed out then it's like 
well or if it's not like shrunk down enough inside the window then they needed to add more mm-hmm. to it you know what yeah. i mean which is kind of cool I, I really appreciate the fact that people do that work and really you know they what what happens normally i imagine is they have a base layer where they they do a rough of all that work and then they you know shop it out to like china and have it done cheap exactly you know that's just kind of the way to do it it's funny because there's like that whole you kind of touched upon it with john wick there's that whole genre of like action film that i think now is like it's marketed as the action film that does real stunts so like i think like john wick and then like the new um mission impossible films are kind of like that where the the stunt work and like even the new triple x film i think the stunt work um is is marketed um so that it's not yes. like it's some C- big cgi thing where it's like they're wanting you to gum come to the theater and spend your money to see these crazy stunt sequences that aren't cgi you know um the only yeah. cgi is you know like maybe they amp up the explosion a little bit and they erase the wires out and stuff like that right um which you could tell the difference so i always like to see when people can do it in camera and the stunts and stuff like that so that's why i really enjoy like the john wick you know films because it's like you can you know keanu reeves really has to put his work in you know with the choreography and stuff yeah there's something you appreciate about the art of it when it's not just cg you know what i mean because you're like when in your head if you know the story like you know how how long keanu reeves like trained even after he trained you know for the matrix and now he's like training on top of the matrix you know what i mean so like but when when you just look at a movie and and you see that it's cg you kind of think like anyone could just sit at their computer and kind of meticulously plan this out not i mean you know you know what i mean but not anyone but like obviously an artist does it but there's something about like the the drama of like a performance that that really captures a lot of people you know and that's why theater seeing will never an die. actor do something or even just seeing something practically done on set it's kind of like like there's a wonder to it like you wonder how they do yeah. it like like a like how a magician just does his trick you know what i mean like a, a magician just being cg is it's like the lamest thing ever right. you know it's what not i mean a very like good oh prestige. yeah no that's horrible <laughs> Callbacks. Callbacks. <laughs> I had, I had to. <laughs> but like, like, um, like the new Mad Max is great because yeah. it's like, whoa, how do they do that? And then when you realize that it wasn't CGI, you're like, oh shit, you and know. Then, <laughs> generally speaking, too, CGI just kind of automatically dates itself, whereas the practical stuff, you're almost always gonna get away. Like, you know, again, looking at like 2001 or any of the stuff before that that was done, where stuff was done in camera, like. You know Charlie Chaplin's films, where they use forced perspective and and mats in front of the camera, still looks better than a lot of. I mean, I'm going to shift this into reviews here because I kind of want to say this. It looks better than Avengers because the Avengers CGI sucked <laughs> so bad, and even for 2012 or whatever, it's like already so dated. You know, it's five years ago, and it's it's not that long ago, but it it it, it just looks so bad honestly I thought that the Fast and the Furious CG like I could tell when it was a real car or a fake car driving oh yeah it was terrible like every time like when I was watching like at the when they go to like the ice camp 
zone the, to go get the nuclear submarine, like, and they had the um, cars that were like the military cars that were chasing by. There's one shot where they drive actual cars by, and then they, I think they wanted like the army cars to follow, but maybe they didn't know that on set. But later they added in the army cars following yeah. them, and you could <coughs> yeah. clearly see. I mean, you know, it's a movie, so like you buy into it no matter what, but. It seems like they just added in the CG army cars because they wanted it to be like more actiony and um, they wanted something else to happen in that shot. Um, but you can just kind of tell by how the motion blur yeah. works. You know what I mean? Like it just, or maybe the lighting of it, like it's not, you know, cars are so reflective, so it's so hard <laughs> to do CG cars. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it's a hard job. And one day, We'll be able to perfect it, but uh, you know, eventually, it's I don't, I, you know, yeah. still you need more Fast and Furious movies in order <laughs> for that to be perfected. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, well, I don't want to so. spend too much time talking in terms of reviews, um, but I don't know. You guys seem, you guys both generally liked Avengers, right? I think. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought. Yeah. 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 I thought it was really good. I when. Um, you know, I laughed my ass off when I originally watched it. Yeah. Um, I I still like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like, a, it's a good movie. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely not the... It's, it's not my favorite movie, but it's good. Yeah, it's definitely not my favorite in the, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe either. I mean, it's all right, but it's... Yeah, it's not my favorite, but it's good. I mean, for what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I found it... Yeah. I mean, it's entertaining, I guess. Like I said, I like the Hulk stuff, mainly. Um if anything, that's kind of where I found the comedy. And I didn't find much funny until towards like the end where there was a couple of jokes. Um, yeah. That the, the punching, joke, yeah, the punching joke was right? funny. Punching joke is like perfectly timed. And I, I feel like that's something that you, I don't think you could get that on set. Like, honestly, I feel like that's, I mean, you could, but I feel like the timing of that joke is so perfect. Like it could only exist with visual effects. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's like, there's this whole pacing of the entire movie. And this, if you want to do one shot where they crash and land, and then he looks at him and then he punches him. Like only vi- vi- visual effects can make that joke <laughs> right. work. You know what right. I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to be contrarian again, but it was definitely fairly low rating for me. Just kind of a, now, it is obligatory to watch it for this, but at the same time, it was kind of nice to finally see it because this is the first time I watched it um, and to understand why people are gushing about it. I definitely think it's way overrated, but whatever. I also thought that Fate of the Furious, like, I've seen all of them and it was probably the, one of the worst in the in the series. It's amazing to me how much charisma Paul Walker had for that series and how it kind of, like, lost that. When they when he died, I think Dwayne Johnson. They're trying to make his character kind of replace, you know, Paul yeah, Walker. I think. Trying. <laughs> yeah, I think it, he seemed like what, I haven't seen the other ones, but he seemed like really like charismatic, like more charismatic than I've seen him in other yeah. roles. May or he was trying to be. Yeah, because I don't think Vin Diesel has the charisma to like carry this franchise at all. Um, and then like the kind of auxiliary characters just weren't that were in the other movies but just were never as important they're trying to step them up to and it just 
I don't know. There was something about Paul Walker in that series that just sort of tied it all together. Yeah, for and sure. So for sure. That's kind of what I mean by at a certain point you kind of just got to let something lie. But I doubt that it'll ever happen because it makes too much money. But but there's a new Brian. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's a new Brian. Also, that, that was like... Yeah, Why Oscar's wouldn't you name him Paul? I know. That's we the thing. know that's what's going to fucking happen. You know there's going to be two yeah, names that yeah. occur. Brian? <laughs> He's still alive in the series. Right, in the, right. In the, it should have been Paul. Movie. Yeah, it should have been it Paul. I think it totally should have been Paul. Or, or just Walker. Or Walker. Like, honestly, they could have done... Seen Walker. I did not understand why they chose Brian. It's like, yeah, Brian's still Stupid. alive in the series, so why... Wait, how is he still alive in the series? They just he, wrote him. They just... They, he was like, I'm gonna... I'm just gonna become a dad now. Yeah. In the seventh uh, one, they wrote him out. In the yeah. seventh one, so... That's what the they did. They, He's like, I'm quitting this. Basically, so, like, in the seventh one, he died halfway through making the movie, right? So, like, he... They kind of were changed it to where you like want. They tried to make him more focused on his kid and the chick or whatever, Dom's sister. Um, So, like, the way they send him off in the seventh one is they do this scene after at the very end that has literally nothing to do with the plot is literally just like an homage to Paul Walker and uh right. they have him I, I, I've heard of this yeah, they have scene. him drive off into the sunset for a lot of people yeah. well Mike yeah I was getting emotional for it and like you know because it's like he when he drives to the sunset that's kind of like the image of like someone going to God sort of exactly thing. yeah so like yeah basically they just wrote him out and said like he's just leaving this uh, it was kind wow. of just a half-assed write-out, but it's, they kind of allude to it in this one where they're like, yeah. we promised not to write about it. Michelle Rodriguez is like, yeah, we can't. I actually thought, I, I kind of expected him to throw in a CGI, Brian, but I'm glad yeah. they didn't. Um, they just just let it. The one thing it. I did like about this movie is uh, Charlie Stare, and I thought she did a good job as a villain. Okay. Oh, my God. Dude, she's a badass, She doesn't man. blink like, at all in the movie. Oh, that's weird. Like, I know. The look in her eyes. Yeah, like she just yeah. the constant. The only like, problem with her is the... <laughs> Why did she, dreads like really? I kind of like necessary. It. I kind of like it. I, I I I like Come the dreads. On. I think it kind of brought an interesting yeah, because like uh, aspect to her character. Like all all the guy, all the terrorists with her, like the some of them had dreads or kind of that kind of look, and then like the it was like grungy. yeah, and they they all and they yeah. had, like beards or whatever, but they also like the the art that was in the airplane like had that kind of hippie, you know, a little bit of. Um, Chinese, Japanese, even some Indian, like all that kind of more metaphysical uh, type of like religion symbolism in it. So I could tell that she was someone that wasn't uh, someone that wasn't very westernized, right? She her philosophies yeah. were were more uh, complex, um, it, which yeah. I thought it seemed like she lived in Portland. Or yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> the only thing I could think of. <laughs> The only thing I can think of when I saw her initially was that I feel like she would have been a better ghost. If they would have put her in as ghost, I think that movie would have been... If you're going to put like a white chick in there, you know, replace her with Scarlett Johansson, I think it would have been better. Um, I don't know. For some reason, her character seemed to like fit that profile to me when I was watching it. But oh, That's interesting. You know, whatever. Yeah, I... I uh... I, I enjoyed this movie a lot, and I enjoyed the absurdity of it. I kind of, I really got into it, and you know, you kind of watch it, and you're like, I know this can't happen, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But you still like, I just kind of sat there, and I, I laughed, and I, I enjoyed some of the CG, and 
honestly, Michelle Rodriguez is kind of the shit, so she's just <laughs> yeah. a badass. You know what I mean? Like, she's, like, the coolest person. <laughs> I wish I, I could have watched more of her movies, <laughs> I, think. I think. Just watch the other Fast and Furious ones where she's in it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, two. Well, there's that one movie where she, like, not not a million dollar baby, but like she fights other. Women? Oh yeah, yeah. God, I can't remember. What's what was it like directed by uh, Catherine Casoma, I think, who did uh, Jennifer's uh, body and stuff. Yeah, just. Oh, is she in Jennifer's? Body? No, she directed. Well, the ladies who did that film that you're talking about directed Jennifer's body, I believe. I think her oh, name I is gotcha. Catherine Casoma or something like that. Because yeah, my two favorite parts of the uh, Fate of the Fears were the part. So there's that oh girl fight. I'm thinking of girl oh, fight. Gosh, yeah, I don't know if that's the one that. that I'm thinking of. I don't know, but the, oh. but yeah, the part when like <laughs> Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson are like you know they're like trash talking to each, each other right, and then when they're finally released, and then the big prison brawl when all of a sudden it cuts and then like the rap music starts, <laughs> and it, it's just like this. I love that. That was awesome. And then the other part was. Um, the part when uh, the two South American dudes that were in the fast okay fast you saw five. that right that yeah. little nudge to that yeah. okay I thought that I'm was amazing I'm like those that. two guys are back that's yeah. awesome that was like this little <laughs> oh, so cameo that was the that was the thing I didn't understand were, were those guys who the were two like guys, doing the yep. van and, and yeah, they were yeah. bickering with each other uh, I was yeah. like did I Their miss something earlier from a like, couple movies ago yeah I thought that was uh, epic I'm like yeah man those were my two favorite I noticed that too that's totally one of those ones too where it's like if you haven't seen the other ones that's gonna go way over your head that's funny Right. Yeah, because that's like the get of the movie. You know what I mean? It was like, hey, and then it was like, who are those <laughs> yeah, guys? Right. I was like, I get that he knows them, and I'm sure it's because I haven't seen the other ones, but like, I, you know, I for a moment there, I questioned whether I what, what like fell asleep or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't it know. was also kind of cool. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but the fact that Helen Mirren was in it was pretty cool. Where too. was she at? Yeah, I've, dude, she's I feel cool. like I blinked and missed her. She she was uh, Jason Statham's mom. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He he meets with her and gives her the giant I, Apple Watch. Yeah, they like yeah. made her look weird then. That's why I didn't like recognize her. Yeah, they like put her. yeah they put they gave her a haircut, oh, wig or okay. something. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. funny. And they gave her accent was very like uh, I, I forget what part of England that it London or whatever what part of London that particular accent is but I don't know it's kind of funny it's funny because he calls it yeah watch it be like a Manchester <laughs> accent yeah. you're about to be because <laughs> that's the other or, side of I guess England. maybe yeah it's, it's yeah it's not London it's some part of Eng- I don't I don't know I, there's different you can tell there's different yeah. accents English accents but uh, it's yeah. funny it's a non-American accent so who cares <laughs> <laughs> oh man let's just let's That's just right, lose turn off the let's podcast. lose the like three listeners we have <laughs> turn off the podcast uh, we're all racists okay well <laughs> on that note <laughs> uh, so we're getting oh, close man. to the three hour mark so I mean let's like shutting it down here is not a bad idea because uh, my end if, if you guys had to pick one of these movies what would you pick Ooh, Probably man. Fast and Furious just because it's a guilty pleasure movie for me or series in general. Gosh, that's tough. I'm I, just not a fan of superhero movies, honestly. Really, I'm not. Oh, man, that's really tough. As just pure films go, I might have to... S- oh, man, I might regret saying this. I, <laughs> I might have to go 
the Fate of the Furious um, because I think I can rewatch it, rewatch it, rewatch it, and I don't know though, because like I think because the Avengers is not close to my favorite of the Marvel films. Like I like I liked right. Age of Ultron like way 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 better than the first Marvel because or, for the first Avengers. Sucks. <laughs> well, I like the I like the <laughs> Avengers. I like that whole series, but the, I I, yeah. but I definitely like the Captain America films the most so far. So I don't know, and I, but I liked Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Strange was pretty cool too and stuff. I don't know, but I would have to maybe say out of the two films, if I really had to pick, I, I might have to say Fate of the Furious. I think we know Jacob's answer. <laughs> Honestly, on, on, I, you know, I like the Avengers. I do, but I kind of like uh, this new movie. Oh wow! I, do I we like all this. three? Or is it, yeah. This no, honestly, happen. like I like I liked how absurd it was. I, I love oh, that. Wow. I think you'll like the other and, ones. Uh, I think you should like watch them. Yeah, you dude. know, I've 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 been meaning to go watch them, but you know. Yeah, dude, you should totally. I'm, I've been watching Girls, and that show's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ever seen but, uh, it. But yeah, I gotta watch the other ones. But yeah, I'm gonna go with. The fate of Wow, what a girls. twist. We ended on a twist. <laughs> I know. A Shyamalan twist right there. <laughs> you never saw it coming. <laughs> I mean, realistically, though, for me, it's like flip a coin with these two, like, and that's kind of how I feel. Like, yeah. I like the, like I said, yeah, Fast, they're very similar. Right, exactly. Yeah. And Fast and Furious, like I said, is guilty pleasure. So it's like hard to rate those movies for me in general, but this is definitely like the worst one out of all of them, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, Pick, pick your temple movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're all yeah, kind of the exactly. same, you know, to an extent. You know, the obviously mix. they're... Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, if you have any questions, topic suggestions, opinions, or if you have any fact corrections, go ahead and send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. We're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> what the f- Okay, we gotta start doing a live stream so people can see so. the weird shit that you do sometimes. <laughs> but, oh my god! But then, but, uh, but then there's no wonder. Like I think part of it is the mystery. Jesus Christ! Uh, all right. Sorry, listeners. Uh, our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at SkinnyProducing.com. Um, next week. We're going to be starting a series that we kind of started to talk about uh, at the beginning of this episode. Um, It's a series we've been planning that will hopefully become like a recurring series. And right now we're calling it the Otour series. So (laughs) that could change. But for now, uh, Otour series focusing. It'll it'll change. (laughs) We'll see. I'm getting them to change. We'll see. If we come up with a good change. I'm not opposed to it. It's just a matter if we come up with a good one. Um, right. Good name. So basically, it's going to be focusing on one director and talking about their films chronologically. Um, so some directors are really prolific. So we've decided to limit our lists to specific films, ones that we kind of think are the most important to talk about uh, and that might fit together in a, you know, kind of a double feature back to back style. Uh, so with some exception, each episode will still focus on two films, but our topics will focus on the director's film life, um, film history, production facts, production histories, among other things. 
Uh, so next week we'll be kicking off the series with Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown, followed by an episode featuring Pulp Fiction as the sole film. Uh, we decided to make this change, which will not be a normal thing for the series, uh, but be- we decided to make this change because we believe that Pulp Fiction's influence on cinema history deserves its own episode, and we kind of alluded to that. Um, like, Byron is pretty adamant that we make it its own thing, so following <laughs> his orders. Yeah. It, is the, it is the Jesus Christ of movies. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, Jesus Christ gets his own episode. <laughs> so in order to have Pulp Fiction be its own episode, we decided to shift Jackie Brown down and pair it with Reservoir Dogs, which I think will actually be a pretty good pairing um, overall. Yeah, so, you know, Jackie Brown comes after Pulp Fiction chronologically, so this is a an odd change we're doing and it it is the beginning of the series but going ahead forward from here uh just you know it'll be chronologically paired together um and this is kind of a test you know a first attempt at this series and a bit of a test so you know if this doesn't work out then let us know Uh, what we're trying to do is see whether or not we should do all the episodes we have planned in a row or if we should spread them out um, so, yeah, if you have opinions one way or another, we'd love to hear them and figure out what listener preferences are. So make sure you watch the films to be a part of the discussion. Thank you for listening and happy viewing. Thanks, guys. Hey, wh- what? one more one more thing. I forgot to bring this up. Well, if, we, if we could do just one more thing. I, I found out the reason why people use green screen versus blue screen. Do you guys have any guesses as far as... Why people would use one? Of them. Uh, my guess is like if you have Captain America in a blue costume against a blue screen, that wouldn't actually work out so well. Yes, that is that is uh, one reason. Is if your subject is blue, lighting. Then I'm also you, thinking you'd use like a green lighting of yeah, the, color yeah, like of the face, lighting, facial lighting, and I don't know. Sky. The I don't know. biggest reason is the cleanness of green in digital cameras so it's able to differentiate between green more clearly than it is between blue blue spills over a lot more than green so that's why you use green however the color spill of green is harder to take out yep so if when you're shooting on a green screen you get um the reflection of the green that kind of puts a green glow on the back of somebody that is harder to take out than blue because green is such like a weird color. You know what I mean? It's like blue exists in worlds. You know what I mean? But green is like, you know, you can't (laughs) like green doesn't exist in daylight. You know what I mean? Like, but blue does. So you can like tone it back a little bit. So yeah, those, those are the reasons. So really it's just a judgment call as far as whether or not you think that there will be color spill or not. But green is the way to go. But blue is if you just, you know, if if you don't have time to, like, if there's going to be a lot of spill, basically. Good to know. Fun. Yeah, fun, fun facts. facts. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.